No. Okay, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Huh? Hmm? You like that, people? What happens when I do this? Guilty. Guilty. All right. That's... <clears throat> Here we go. Ready? Three, two... On this episode of Geek Out Loud, there's two main topics to discuss. One has to do with Star Wars, the other does not. All that, Jimmy and Jason from Rebel Force Radio. Ah, uh, it's Geek Out Loud. What more can be said? Again, everyone, I uh, had a whole story about my bathroom lined up. Going to completely forget that. This is Geek Out Loud. Um, my name's Steve Glosson. And I'm the plumber. That's a- Wait. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> the joke doesn't work if we don't do the setup on That's the 72nd <laughs> time of recording. Oh, man, you can tell it's been a while since we've done it, Derek. It really has. We've been trying for the past 42 minutes. I know. <laughs> Uh, and that's all the time we have today, guys. We'll see you. <laughs> Don't want to waste any more of your time. We've wasted all of ours. That's right. <laughs> Something about Steve's bathroom. I was the plumber. It's been a mel of a hess. And move right into it. And go snippets. right onto it. There has been some things happening around these parts that have kept me from being able to sit down and record because I never knew when someone was going to be in and out. They had to literally remodel the whole bathroom is, is the end of the story, Derek. They had to... A leak was it getting took in the walls. Forty-two minutes to get to the end of the store. That's right. It rotted out some wood. They ended up. There was a window in my bathroom that's no longer there. There was some comedy gold in there. The 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 leak busted through like the Kool Aid guy. That's right. That's right. While you were brushing your teeth, and well, all no, these I, are missed I, opportunities. It's a long story that that ends with now the bathroom's fixed, and now there's no chance of people walking in unexpectedly. And uh, here we are. Got a lot to talk about. Um, I feel like we already have. We have. We have. The first thing I want to mention right out of the gate, and, and we're going to jump into this real quickly, um, Rebel Force Radio is a new podcast launched by Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack, and uh, and they have... Uh, need cool names. We, well, I'm Steve Glosson. Yeah, okay, so I need a cool name. <laughs> you're Derek Russell. Uh. We are Steric. Prepare to be assimilated. This is true. Um, we do have that going for That's right. The original. Uh, anyhow, the <laughs> anyhow. Ghostbusters. Thank you. 
Rebel Force Radio. It's it's brought to you by Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack, uh, the guys who uh, are formerly. I mean, there's no sense in not talking around it or or talking around it. They're formerly of the Force Cast. Uh, they've stepped out into their own projects, uh, independent of the Force.net and RebelScum.com, and it is Rebel Force Radio, your source for the Force. And those guys uh, came to kind of talk about that and what they're doing and what's going on with with them. As far as that goes, so uh, we're going to jump straightway. I'm going to leave for a few minutes. You, Derek's going to step aside for a few minutes. Uh, we this is pre-recorded. We had them on. Oh, you see, you broke the fourth one. I know. Then. I always do that. I, I'm a fan of pulling back the curtain, Derek. So, oh well. Yeah, Derek wasn't able to uh, to to be there the day that we that I sat down with those guys and and uh, and we talk. Uh, what's funny is, is as as happens with me often, we talked a little bit Rebel Force Radio. And a lot of everything else. So um, this is uh, this is Jason and Jimmy Mack from Rebel Force Radio at rebelforceradio.com. Introducing Rebel Force Radio, your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary with Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars five hundred times. Weekly live shows and podcasts. Rebel Force Radio. You are on the front lines of fandom by listening to this show. <laughs> Jimmy Mack and Jason Swank usher in a new era of Star Wars podcasting. Rebel Force Radio. RFR. Like Rebel Force Radio on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Stay tuned for special announcements about the Rebel Force Radio official webpage. Leaving no Star Wars fan behind. Rebel Force Radio. Your new source for the Force. As as many of you know, you're, a lot of us are also have been listeners to the Force cast for a long time. And our friends Jason and Jimmy Mack have stepped away and, and have started their own, uh, their own independent project called Rebel Force Radio. And to help these guys out, to get, their, to get the name, to get their personalities, and to get some of our questions answered. Um, here they are, Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack of Rebel Force Radio. Welcome, guys. Thanks, Steve. Hey, Steve. Uh, hey, guys. So good to have you with us. Um, right out of the gate, you know, obviously this came as a shock to everyone. It, it came as... Is something that seemed to be out of the blue, um, but there's nothing to worry about. Calm everyone's fears. You guys are going to continue with the same quality, the same level of, of, uh, of just infectious fun and intensity that you've had all these years prior. Yeah, maybe even more so. I mean, for the first time, we really are freed up to do exactly the kind of show that we've uh, always wanted to do, and... Um, no reason to, to stop now. I mean, Star Wars is just beginning in a lot of ways. A whole new era of Star Wars and uh, a whole new era of uh, Jimmy and me talking about Star Wars. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch things unfold as production gets ramped up on the Star Wars sequel trilogy. And we want to be there. We want to present all the news, all the opinions, all the observations, unfiltered, just me and Jason, that's it. Um, we've loved being part of a team, but we're looking for our own adventure now. And we want to take that hero's journey on our own. And, and the path you have to take to be the hero has got to be a unique one and one that wasn't already established. So that's what we're, we're trying to do is just go out there and have a lot of fun and do it in a way that our listeners know that if, if they send us an email, it's me and Jason reading it. If they see a post from Rebel Force Radio on our social networking platforms, they know it's me or Jason writing it. 
No one else. So that gives us a level of communication with Star Wars fans. Like I said, unfiltered, unfettered, and I think it's a very progressive move, too, moving forward. So we're very excited about Rebel Force Radio. We will be incorporating all the same production standards and and quality that the Forcecast listeners have grown to expect from us. Um, We will not continue with the Forcecast, obviously, but this is our new home. And while we love those guys over there at TFN, they're like family to us, when you grow up, you have to move out and you have to find your own place. And that's kind of what me and Jason are all about doing right now is just doing it on our own just to see what will happen. In the words of Kyle Newman, you guys have kind of found your Death Star and you're going after it. We did. As a matter of fact, our tagline is your source for the force. Mm-hmm. And Kyle is the one who actually came up oh, with wow. that. So yeah. well. big props to Kyle Newman for helping us come up with the, uh, the tagline, the rebelforceradio.com logo was created by Paul Bateman. And, and I like the direction Paul took on that. Paul, of course, being a, a lifelong protege of Ralph McQuarrie's and a um, very devoted uh, follower of the works of Ralph and someone who actually you know, worked with Ralph. So yeah. um, we know his credentials. And every time he creates something, it just never ceases to blow me away. And so we are the rebels now. <laughs> we are the rebels and uh, very excited to, uh, yeah, like you said, Steve, go out and find that Death Star and blow that sucker up. Yeah. Well, now, people who've listened to you guys for the past five years, and Jason, I think you've been doing it for like seven, um, mm-hmm. people who've listened to you guys along and along know what to expect. But, but uh, you know, for the people who, who, are, who, are, who are coming now into this podcasting thing, because they're new people jumping into podcast all the time. Um, as, as they get to know you guys, here, here's the one thing I know. Jimmy, you consume anything Star Wars that, that happens to come out just about. Are you still into the expanded universe, all the novelizations and everything? That is a, a good question. And um, sadly, I have to say I'm not. I think over the course of the last couple years, I found those stories to be getting further and further away from what I consider to be the core of Star Wars and being an original trilogy fan, a kid who grew up in the 70s, I consider my core of Star Wars to be the Skywalker saga. And um, I also am a big fan of the prequels too. And when I find that the stories are going far away from that core, then I start to... Mm, it's not, it, 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 it's still entertaining and good stuff, but it, it loses the magic for me a yeah, little bit definitely. and becomes kind of um, 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 a homo- like a homogenizing. Oh, this is my question, Jason. You'll get your chance <laughs> to talk about the EU because everyone <laughs> no, loves hearing you talk no, about no, that no, subject. No, no, no. I, I just I think uh, uh, w- one point is that it's it feels more sci-fi than it does fantasy. Yeah. Oh, there you go. You see, there's a magic to Star Wars, and it's more than just science fiction. It's more than just comic book adventure. There's a deep philosophical backbone to Star Wars. Yep. When you look at things like the writings of Joseph Campbell and study, look at the all the different world religions that Lucas actually researched when he was writing Star Wars and developing concepts like the Force and your destiny 
and bringing out the most potential you can. That's what the force is to me. Is po- it's potential. Everyone has the potential to perform magic. And that's the stuff that really matters to me when it comes to Star Wars. And while I do still pick up comic books from time to time, I'm much more selective. I'm not a completist anymore. The thing is, is that they've jumped back in time in the, the history of uh, the Star Wars galaxy, and, which is cool because it gives them uncharted territory to really explore and mess around with, uh, with uh, continuity in a way that won't affect continuity. Right. And uh, so I think that gives them a wide open playing field, but it feels different to me. It doesn't really connect. Right. Um, like they jump back, you know, 1,000 years before Luke Skywalker, uh, 4,000 years before Luke Skywalker. And while Dark Horse had done that in the past with the Tales of the Jedi comics, <sighs> timing is everything. And when those comics were released, it was at a time when Star Wars was just starting to get back up on its feet. Yep. And any sort of expans- expansion of the mythology at that point was eagerly, eagerly consumed by me. And, um, and so now, but now I don't, I don't feel that kind of connection because there's a lot of things to satiate me as a Star Wars fan. And that's the big reason probably why I've let my expanded universe, um, reading sort of slide is because it was so valuable during the dark times, during the nineties, when there was no Star Wars before the prequels, that decade where the books were coming out and you were having stories written by guys like Tim Zahn, Kevin J. Anderson, um, that really expanded the Skywalker saga. And I, I enjoyed that a great deal. I enjoyed that a great deal. Now, whether or not those stories will actually hold up when the, the sequels come out, you know, maybe they'll incorporate some of it and maybe they'll twist it around and make it something different, or maybe they'll just go in an entirely different direction altogether. Like Han and Leia never have kids or, um, you know, they do have a, a I don't know. It, Chew, it's it, maybe they never dies. even get married. Chewy never dies. Chewy never <laughs> dies. Oh God. Bring back Chewy, please. Which, which, which causes me now to redirect this over to Jason because, you know, for the longest time, Jimmy, you were, you, and you still have this encyclopedic knowledge. It seems sometimes of like, like someone will throw out a random name, but Jason, you weekly burned Tim Zahn in effigy, right? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a big fan of Timothy Zahn. I'm a big fan of Timothy Zahn and the, uh, the Thrawn trilogy. Uh, I, um, but you always got pegged as that EU hater. Yeah, I did. And, I, and I'm not an EU hater because I think that there's good, just like anything else, and you have a massive body of work, there's good stuff and there's less than good stuff. What I always had a problem with, and, 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 and still do, is when folks believe that Lucas' uh, work, Lucas' canon a la Clone Wars, a la now, you know, Star Wars sequels, it has to be in some way uh, reverent of, you know, uh, 10, 15 years worth of comic books and novels. And it's just, it's not realistic. And I don't think that it was ever part of the, part of the vision, actually. Mm-hmm. So that's all. Yeah, I, well, no, I, and, and, and I agree with both of you guys so many times on so many things. And, and I'm, Jimmy, I'm just like you in as much as, there's so much Star Wars content that is out there that is fresh, that is that is new, that is directly from uh, George Lucas and guys like Dave Filoni that I've kind of fallen off the whole um, 
expanded universe wagon, as it were. I, I've got a bookshelf full of books, you know, that mm. that just you know that I consumed, devoured. Uh, and then and then Jason, I'm like you. I get so frustrated when people start saying, "Well, this is the way it was in the books, and I think this is how it should be now." And um, and I and I always uh, kind can of can I just say that this this uh, EU hater, as 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 I I may have been called, uh, damn near cried when I saw Black Sun. Uh, oh, and yeah. the Fellines yeah. on Clone Wars this morning. Yes. So, yeah. oh uh, guys, so I have not I seen it yet. yet. I have not I seen it. So please, I thought you were about to say preview. I've not seen today's episode yet. No, what's no wrong spoilers. with us? Come on, come on. What's wrong with us? I told you I fell asleep on the computer keyboard at four a.m. trying to post the first episode of Rebel Force Radio. <laughs> he woke up. He had an X stuck to his face. <laughs> <laughs> Cheeto on one side keys that came up out of the keyboard on the other <laughs> so yeah so i woke up and just you know came right to the microphone to do this this interview um but yeah i can't wait to watch that this is such a great day today it's uh we're talking to big honking steve glosson where we've just released the first episode of rebel force radio the clone wars death watch story arc is premiered oh. and uh NHL hockey is back. Go Blackhawks! <laughs> well, now, and honestly, the last time I really got to see you guys and talk to you guys was back at Celebration 6. And, um, you that know, was awesome. It ended with Jason in my arms and Jimmy looking at us really strangely. Uh, but doesn't it always end up with me in your arms? <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's a great, There's a great picture of that, too. I mean, just yeah. a great photo. <laughs> but um, but I, I had a joke with, with a lot of the people I was hanging out with at, at C6. Uh, I... I they were talking about because the whole thing was the end of that, the end of, of the ending celebration, the closing, the closing ceremonies were supposed to be some big announcement. It ends up being Celebration Europe 2, um, and, and everyone could have beer and pretzels out in the lobby. Um, I never saw those, the beer I, I or didn't the pretzel. either. I didn't either. Listen, I have a radar for that kind of thing. <laughs> Listen, I've got a radar saying. for food. All um, I got, all I got, was some lederhosen. That oh, was wow. it. That's that's unfortunate. Um, that's <laughs> yeah, they were handed out Wiener Schnitzel at the bottom of the escalator. <laughs> those overalls that just basically are shorts—I don't know what you call those. Um, yeah, that lederhosen. Oh, that's that what, what I'm talking is? about. I thought lederhosen was like the long socks. Um, I don't think so. I think it's the. I think it's the. Yeah, the little the overalls with the shorts. Oh, well, there you go. Jason Dick and Clark Griswold in I, European Vacation. That's... I'd, I'd kill to see that. But anyhow, um, I was joking with my friends. I'm like, the big, the big announcement is going to be this. George Lucas, he's either going to be there live and in person, or they're just going to have him film saying it's just going to, he's going to come up on screen or come out on stage and just go seven, eight, nine, drop the mic and walk away. Um, <laughs> drop the mic like a, a Jay-Z move or yes, something? Yes, yes. Just drop the mic and walk away. <laughs> With the feedback and everything. And, 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 like I was, just, and everyone I was, is just, there's a moment of stunned silence yes, in the crowd. And then, and then everyone, everyone just goes, goes crazy. Yes. Could that, would that have been awesome? And, and like I George, was, then, then George jetpacks from the backstage <laughs> up through the ceiling and he's out of there. Yes. Uh, but I was, and I had all these things that I was making up. I would hear little bitty things here and there, and I would just blow them out of proportion with the people because I wanted, it was really cruel, but I was really trying to get people pumped for this kind of announcement. And um, even though I didn't believe it at all myself. And then like three weeks later, seven, eight, nine, um, it is announced it within the purchase of, of Lucasfilm by Disney. And, uh, you know, you guys embarking on Rebel Scum, or Rebel Force Radio, you guys having this um, 
this new this new outlet this this thing that's coming how excited are you jason to be now reporting on new star wars especially as we get closer and more things get leaked and we're and we're able to start putting these questions about a director to bed and all this other stuff how excited are you to be at the forefront of of star wars media in some ways to be reporting on this i'm really excited i mean it feels like a dream there's parts of me that uh doesn't think that it it actually happened um that it's that because it's it's the fantasy i think for star wars fans as jim said you know anybody who grew up in the 70s and 80s i think it it means something even more to us than it does to the the prequel generation or the clone wars generation because these are the stories that we really really wanted to see you know when you think about the end of return of the jedi and there they are all are in the ewok village and they're celebrating and they're hugging that might have been the end of the story as far as George Lucas was concerned, but it was not the end of the story for us. Mm-hmm. So to see that play out, um, I think, is, uh, is extremely profound. And then to have the opportunities that Jimmy Mack and I have because of you know, the you know, nearly seven years of covering this beat, we'll say, yeah. of Star Wars. It's just, I, I can't even imagine. It's hard for me to wrap my head around it, but um, when we know it's also going to be uh, challenging. We know that there's going to be a lot of pressure, uh, but I think the last seven years have really prepped us for something like this. Yeah, absolutely. And it all came to a head for me when they announced Kathleen Kennedy was coming in to take over Lucasfilm. Mm-hmm. Because I thought, what could be bringing her over there? And it didn't take long for a lightning bolt to hit me. And I'm like, wow, they have to be making more Star Wars films. They have to be. So it was really funny. I felt the tremor in the force a few months prior to that announcement. Uh, I was watching Jurassic Park on Spike. It was uh, during a holiday weekend. I, I believe it was Memorial Day. And I was watching and I got so frustrated. I was watching. It was Jurassic Park. Which one was it? Jurassic Park 3. I actually like that one. Yeah, Some people yeah, think that too. sucked, but I, I really like that one. I thought it was a really good movie. Yep. And did you hear there's going to be Jurassic Park 4 now? I have, yeah. yeah. So I'm watching this on Spike, Jurassic Park 3. I'm enjoying it, but they're cutting away to commercials every five minutes. So I just got fed up, got up, grabbed the DVD, and popped it in. I have all the Jurassic Park films. And I watched the end of it, and I said, wow, I really enjoyed that a lot more than I remembered. So I started watching the bonuses, the bonus features on the disc. Lots of interviews with Kathleen Kennedy. And there was just something that struck me. It was so weird. I was listening to her talk and thinking about her career. And I was like, wow, she's had an amazing career. And her connections with Lucas through the Indiana Jones films and other projects. And, of course, you know, all the stuff she did with Steven. And it just hit me, wow, she'd be that would be great if she could work on Star Wars. Mm-hmm. It was just um, this thought. It was a tremor in the force. And you know what I was really thinking about was the live action series. Yes, yeah. I was yeah. like, well, maybe she can you know, do that or something. Or, or turn the live action series scripts into films mm-hmm. is, is also another thought I was thinking. But then when they made the announcement, I thought of those things. And then I Im- immediately started thinking about Star Wars films. Not necessarily episode seven, eight, eight, nine, all because that's something I've never stopped thinking about ever since I was a kid. What happens after Endor? And speaking of which, I would much rather see them return to Endor in the sequels than to see a lot of green screen stages and 
virtual sets. I would just, I would probably get the biggest geek out, not seeing them go to Naboo, but seeing them just go to the Redwoods and say, hey, we're back in indoor. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it could happen. So uh, one of our, our listeners, a guy named Din, He's a pretty sharp guy, and he writes me all the time about speculation he has. And he's a very, like, spiritual guy. And he was speculating that we, we never saw what happened to Palpatine after he went down the shaft. Oh, no. And the Death Star blew up over Endor, and he drew connections between Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, specifically the... Um, um, the, 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 the emergence from the forest of Sauron. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he thinks the brooch may, the emperor's brooch may be the new one ring. One brooch to hold them all. Ooh, that weird little brooch. Little, um, that holds his little. There, yeah. There was a great story about that. He, uh, um, Palpatine, uh, Ian McDermott told at celebration on stage with James Arnold Taylor. Yeah. Talked about it was just basically a hair clip. Someone went. Yeah. Get <laughs> just someone ran out and grabbed this <laughs> weird looking hair clip and they just put it on there and it's now it's iconic. Yeah. Now you go to museums and you stare at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, I've done it. I've done it. So have I. So have yeah, I. I'm over at the, uh, the Field Museum in Chicago. More, more than that so, brooch, though, I was staring at that cane. That, oh, the that cane is cool because it's twisted just like the Emperor. No, Dark cool. and twisted. Yep. So what got me on this path? We were talking about um, um, uh, the, the uh, sequels and, uh, and, and Catherine Kennedy. Yeah. So, so, you know, I just think that moving forward with Star Wars... And having her at the helm is, is a, a very positive thing. And I believe that in addition to seeing the sequel trilogy, I believe we'll see even more than just that. I believe we'll see sequels to the sequel trilogy. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, they said, because, it, they said at, the, at, the, at the initial press conference, you know, they're wanting to do one every two or three years. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah but, if I had to speculate, I would say that what we'll probably get is the sequel trilogy proper every two three years i'm guessing every two because i think what they'll probably end up doing is shooting them all back to back Mm. and then i think they're going to take a break and do some one-offs or maybe some duologies yeah and then it's going to follow the avengers model where you'll have the proper numbered sequel will be the equivalent of the team-up films Mm. and then you'll have these side films i I don't know that to be i think that i I think that's probably the formula they'll follow yeah i think that'd be amazing i think I think that everyone's surprised, not to go off on a total geek out loud tangent here, but I think everyone is surprised at how well that Avengers model has worked um, from Iron Man through the Incredible Hulk right on into Captain America and into the Avengers. It's just, it's been a, and, and what's worked is they've, they've made sure they've kept quality talent. They haven't just said, well, we've got a sequel that will automatically make us money, so let's just put something out there, whatever, because people... Well, here's the, here's the thing. I mean, everybody remembers the Justice League rumors before there was ever even talk of an Avengers film, or an Iron Man film, for that matter. And the problem was, I mean, there was talk about Michael Keaton in there. There was talk about, uh, then when the Superman Returns came out, you know, Brandon Roth, mm-hmm. he's going to be in the, you know, the Justice League film. The problem was, it was always about ego and money and budget and all of that. But what they did so brilliantly was they got these actors really into this universe and these characters. And then they probably sat them down and they're like, so, uh, Robert Downey, uh, we're going to do a, a team-up film. We obviously can't afford to pay you your, your normal salary, but um, it's either that or do you want somebody else playing Iron Man? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I, and, and you appeal and to I, the I, artist. I, again, I don't know this to be true, but it was th- that there had to be something going on because the excuse why the studios could never pull off these team-up films for superheroes was because of the money. Because well, of the money. I, right, right. But I also think it, it has to do, when you start getting into the Justice League and you start getting into those DC properties, I, Warner Brothers is just monked up. I mean, from, from top to bottom, the way they do things and the way they carry out business, you know, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand's doing over there. And so I, when, when the show Smallville was on, they were talking about um, they'd never let Bruce Wayne come in. Like, the, the creators always wanted to have Clark Kent, young Clark Kent, meet up with young Bruce Wayne at some point. And they wouldn't let him do that. And they said, well, because we've got this new Batman franchise starting, we don't want to confuse viewers. Well, then here comes... <laughs> the then comic comes, fans, yeah, because right. we're so easily confused. Right. Well, then here well, comes 50 Superman... 50 years of, of canon. Then here comes Superman Returns with Brandon Routh, and at the same time Superman Returns is coming out, they were talking at that point about a Justice League movie coming out with Superman and Batman with someone different playing Superman. So you'd end up having three different Supermen uh, on, on screen at the same time had that come to fruition. And I always said, then that, what they said was bullcrap. Because there's no because now they're not worried about confusing people about Superman and, and this continuity. Why would they? And so, um, well, I'm confused about Joseph Gordon-Levitt being you know uh, Batman Beyond version of Batman in a Justice League movie, which is you know one of the rumors, or yeah, he's just going to take yeah. over as 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 Bruce Wayne, uh, which I don't know how they're going to pull that off. But yeah, you're you're right. I mean, it goes back to um, the Batman uh, character and franchises all over the place in terms of licensing and royalties and and all of that. That's another reason why we've never seen, you know, the Adam West series on, on DVD. Which they can't get be, that together. That could be getting closer. Uh, Jason, so, you bring up Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I, I freaking love that actor, and he's someone, maybe not so much as Batman, but how about seeing him in a Star Wars sequel? Oh I think God. that would be incredible. I'd love to see him in a Star Wars sequel. Yeah, he was great in Inception. and You guys got to see Hesher. If you haven't seen Hesher, check out. <laughs> it's, it, Hesher's a, a film... Uh, about this uh, ne'er-do-well, long-haired ex-con. He's uh, got a tattoo on his chest of a, a hand giving you the finger, and that's kind of the way he goes through life. And he ends up squatting in this abandoned house and ends up meeting a kid and then ends up squatting at that kid's house. And no one says anything about it because the family is dealing with uh, a great amount of depression. They're incredibly under duress because uh, the mother of the, uh, the, uh, the mom and the wife, she, she, she died tragically. And Hesher moves in with these people and uh, turns their life upside down. But yet at, by the end, uh, I don't want to spoil it, but it's just incredible. It's incredibly foul. And, and what does it have to do with Star Wars? Ooh. Natalie Portman's in the film. Don't and they, they it was a- directed. It was directed by a guy named Spencer Susser, and right. Spencer used to work with Lucasfilm, and he's the guy who would shoot the behind-the-scenes documentaries on the DVDs. Mm. And you know, he was the guy who was following George around with the cameras all the time and going to those meetings and uh, you know just documenting everything. So uh, he's uh, now directing his own film. So you can get it on DVD. I, I may, I'm sure, Blu-ray too. Hesher. It's. Uh, It'll change your life. <laughs> but Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he is Hesher. So, okay. um, I mean, just another, you know, he's, stand. He's a phenomenal, he's a phenomenal actor. In, breakout in, acting performance, and if yeah. He can, and if he can, you know, to go, I always am impressed from by these. Third Rock. Who would have guessed? I was going to say, I'm always impressed by these people that do projects like Third Rock from the Sun and then end up being like these amazing, 
these amazing talents. And so okay, um, Third Rock from the Sun, John Lithgow was yep. the voice of Yoda on the Star Wars <laughs> Empire Strikes Back radio dramas. Indeed. So let's just bring up anything and I can make a connection to Star Wars. <laughs> That's what I do. Well, I want to go back to your mentioning of Jurassic Park 3 real quick, Jim, because one of your... <clears throat> Jurassic Park 3, ILM did the uh, yeah, special. Yeah, uh, well, I want to go back to that because one of the things that you've done so much in, 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 on various podcasts is you have, you've really kind of bounced around on your top list for directors of the new Star Wars prequels, or sequels, uh-huh. rather. Um, and, and I stick, Joe Johnson directed Jurassic Park 3. Yes. And I am sticking in my guns that I will be surprised if he doesn't get the nod um, for the new Star Wars. Well, we haven't heard any uh, buzz really about that uh, recently, but we also haven't heard any denials about right. that. I would love to see it. He, he's a, a real amazing talent, a guy who was with George Lucas when he was uh, still a yeah. school. He was still in school, and George recognized his talents and skills as an artist and, I mean, really utilized him all over ILM in the early years. Uh, as far as model making, as far as uh, concept sketches and designs and um, special effects work, he really did it all. Yep. And George took him under his wing, actually helped fund his education. And when um, ILM moved from Van Nuys up to Northern California and San Rafael, um, he moved up there with them. He moved up there, Ralph McQuarrie, uh, few other guys um dennis murin yeah dennis was there um i say that like oh like i know like Like i was there but um but so so joe has a really rich history with star wars and a very close connection to george lucas let's face it joe johnson is a guy who came up essentially he took ralph mccrory's concept designs of boba fett and refined those to make it more functional to make it more practical for their use on a film set so his he was also also heavily involved in the in the model work for the adats wasn't he with the adats too exactly yes he was So two of my favorite things from the star wars universe um but i have just he's kind of been who i've maintained from the get-go is my guess if i had if someone nails me to the wall and says who do you think it'll be i usually (laughs) go with him because of that connection yeah Mm -hmm. and and the recent connection to disney with with uh and and that whole or company with uh, Captain, he did Captain America, you know, so. Mm-hmm. How about, you know, um, here's a name that hasn't been thrown out there much, but has just started getting some buzz as a director after his Golden Globes win last Sunday is Ben Affleck. And he's a huge Star Wars fan. And I've just, you know, been thinking, what if? Yeah. <laughs> what if? <laughs> uh, Matthew Vaughn obviously has been my personal front runner, especially since we uh, um, we learned about the X Men writer coming on yeah. board too, and also because there's just been some slips. Um, uh, Jason Fleming, the actor who has worked with Matthew Vaughn on every one of Matt's movies, he let it slip that Matt is going to be doing Star Wars. Now, whether or not, you know, that was just, uh, in a, you yeah. know, when, when you're negotiating for something, there, oftentimes you get to a point where you're like, well, this is a done deal. This is a sure thing. But as 
the process moves along, then sometimes you lose that confidence. Yeah. So it is possible that Matthew was being heavily considered to be the director, and he told Jason, yeah, well, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And yeah, you never know. Once you start getting a dot in the I's and crossing the T, sometimes things fall apart at the last minute. And uh, we also have heard that uh, um, the dude, J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams, he's, he was yeah. under heavy consideration. Guillermo del Toro from Pan's Labyrinth, he was uh, actually approached. Um, you know, Steven Spielberg, does he fit into the mix? Probably not. That's not his genre. <laughs> That's what he said. How can Steven Spielberg say that? He's done movies about everything. Not, my genre. not his genre. Not my What's genre. what kind of genre is Star Wars? Yeah. Sci-fi fantasy? That right, right. Okay, I, he can't do ET that. Or... Are you going to tell me Steven Spielberg that you can't do something Ron Howard can do? <laughs> it's something he's done before. Getting back real quick I, because I'm, I've really held you guys way longer than I need to because I know you both have lives to get to and everything. Um, Wives to get to. And Keep wives, talking. yeah, in family. Getting back to love, Rebel Force. I, said, I say that I love Wendy. I have to throw that in there. I hear you. Getting back to <laughs> Rebel Force Radio, um, uh, just a couple of quick-fire questions. Jason, I got a text from someone, and they just, they just put it out there. They're like, do you think they're not going to be family-friendly anymore? This was a concern of theirs. Oh, um, absolutely not. Uh, they, they shouldn't be concerned. I mean, Star Wars began for me literally from the day I was born. And uh, I think to the, it's the epitome of family-friendly entertainment. And I know Jim feels the same way. We both have young kids. And, um, you know, uh, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be innuendo. I think we've always had that. Sure. Uh, sure. I always love entertainment that, that can work and operate on a couple of different levels. You know, if you think back to the old, uh, you know, classic Warner Brothers cartoons, Looney Tunes, or, uh, or T- Tom and Jerry, and, and, you know, things like that where they knew that they were trying to reach the parents of the kids watching along. I would say that, you know, every parent knows their kid better than you know, anybody providing any content, whether it be on TV, radio, podcast, what have you. And uh, I say listen to a few episodes, and when you feel comfortable, um, let the kids listen. I mean, we're never going to do anything for, for shock value. Um, it's never been our style. It's right. about talking Star Wars. And it would be, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of amused. I mean, there are some folks out there that go, hey, you know, we're going to talk Star Wars and we're going to swear. Um, okay, that's fine. But that's, that's, not, that's not our thing, right. except when we have Kyle Newman on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, right on the, right on the, the, uh, the sensor button. Yeah, I was going to say, you got to have your finger on the old button there. Hey, you know, Steve, Star Wars has always been a very positive thing for me and something that's always given me a lot of joy. And, um, you know, uh, Jason says well, it's not our style, but you know, I can I can swear like a sailor if I want to, and I have certain platforms where I probably might go into a little bit more adult material. Most specifically in the, the podcast I do with my wife Wendy Snyder, Snide Remarks Radio at SnideRemarksRadio.net. Subscribe now on iTunes. Um, but you know, it's like being a musician, and you know, sometimes you play the blues, sometimes you play heavy metal, sometimes you play country. It, it just depends on what the song is. For, for me in Star Wars, I don't think there's room for that sort of um, that sort of adult language because it's not in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. When I associate myself with Star Wars, I slip into that galaxy a little bit, you know? Um, not saying I lose a grip on reality, but there's just something about the culture of Star Wars that is something I like to keep pure. And I don't want to sully it with negative thoughts, you know, negative language, um, 
because let's face it, there are kids listening. Star Wars is something that appeals to my inner child. And I don't want to be taking an adult angle with something that brings me back to my childhood. It just doesn't make sense. Well, that's good. Like I say, that's just, as people have directly contacted me, that was one of the things that came up. Do you think they're just not going to be family friendly anymore? I'm like, I don't know why they wouldn't be, but okay. Um, And uh, the other thing, you know, we we do uh, also, you know, I'm a, I'm a a radio professional and there, there is a level of broadcast standards that Mm -hmm. even though with the freedom of the internet and podcasting and no FCC regulations or anything like that, no licenses to be lost, you can say or do anything you want, essentially. I just want to apply those broadcast standards, community, community standards to what we do on the Forcecast. Because, yes, I want it to be something that all ages can consume. Yep. Well, you know, some of the best compliments I've gotten uh, of Geek Out Loud have nothing to do with the production standards or even um, my insights to things. But usually it's I appreciate the fact that I can listen to this in the car while I'm taking my kids to school and not have to worry. Uh, there, uh, there was one episode you did in particular um, a few years ago. You were very aggressive in reaching out to us, but yes. you never really reached out to us directly. Right. You, right. you, start, <laughs> Steve, you started some like campaign. I, like, I, was getting, uh, I was getting my listeners to email you guys and say, you should ask him to come on. So I was like, well, what's, what's this guy's story? You know? So I started listening to your shows. I, I, I had to vet you, Steve. Mm-hmm. You, you sure, had to go sure. through the vetting process. Yes, definitely. And so I started listening to your shows. And um, most notably, your style was something I really enjoyed. Um, your persona, um, the, your little sayings like, oh, my Lanta, which, by the way, I stole once on a Snyder Remarks radio. I, I actually it said that. I loved it. I don't think I credited you for that either, but you I'm just but outing I, But yourself. I felt it in my heart, Jim. You know, I don't. I don't want to see on TMZ. You know, no, podcaster steals from podcaster. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but so, um, so I was listening to your show, and I was just—it it just struck me at one point. I said, "This is a show I'd like my son Michael to listen to." And Michael, he's thirteen now. Maybe he was ten or eleven at that point. But I just thought about that. I was like, you know what? That—that's—that's that's amazing that he can, that you. you get this energy across and your enthusiasm is infectious and the way you present your material is um, fun. It's all about fun. And that's what I think Star Wars is like. It's, it's just all about fun. And so when you dwell in the negative and people make, um, you know, they point fingers and sling mud and say, George Lucas raped my childhood because he made a movie you know, 20 years later that didn't appeal to what you thought it should be because you're not a kid anymore. You're now an adult. When you, when you look at star Wars, you have to look at, at it through the eyes of your inner child because you'll get so much more out of it. Yeah. You'll understand the meaning. You have to take away the pretense of daily life as an adult and strip away your stress and look at it purely and unfiltered because then you'll be able to understand really what the spiritual meaning is and also let's face it star wars is just plain cool lightsabers blasters spaceships aliens it's fun it's fun to watch and it's just an amazing universe that i think we're really lucky to be able to have the freedom and god bless lucasfilm you know they could shut down all these podcasts and fan films and websites and everything but they don't because they appreciate the 
energy that comes back to them. They provide us the energy and then we give it back to them. And so I think it's just such a, a, a great time to be starting a new podcast like rebelforceradio.com. And you know what I like a lot too, Steve, is what you do. It's called um, Steve's Star Wars Corner. Yes. And you've done like only three of them. Yeah, I've but got it's, one it's almost like going to Star Wars church in a way. <laughs> because what you do is you talk about, you focus on these characters and it's like... So some of the most unbelievable in-depth analysis of what is at the core of characters like Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker. And it's from your unfiltered perspective. Mm. And that's what I appreciate about having platforms like podcasting where we can just do that. We can just open a mic and really talk from our hearts. And that's what I get from you when I listen to that Steve Star Wars corner is it's coming from your heart. Yeah. And and it comes up through your heart, but it goes through your brain on the way out. So not only is it personal and, and enthusiastic and energetic, but it's also intelligent yep. and yep. well thought out. And it's some of the best stuff. So if, if people are listening to Geek Out Loud and they haven't looked for Steve Star Wars, Cor- Steve Star Wars Corner, that's what it's called, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gushing all over the show and I'm like, what's the name? <laughs> but <laughs> but it's, it's really great. It's in the Geek Out Loud feed. Yeah. You don't have to go and subscribe to a separate feed to find it. It's right there. And do yourself a favor. It, what, they're like half hour long? Yeah, half hour, 45 minutes, yeah. I walk my dog, you know, an um, extra mile just so I can hear the whole thing <laughs> oh, at once because God. it's it's captivating. If you're driving and you're listening to it, you'll stay. You'll want to stay in your car once you've reached your destination just to hear the end wow. of it. It's It's so good, Steve. Well, I'm so happy for you that that you've forged ahead with with yeah. that material because it's such a great service to fandom and to just you know people who want to dig beneath the surface of what Star Wars is all about. And so you do that. I think on RebelForceRadio.com we'll be doing that. I know we'll be doing that. We've been doing it. We've been Star Wars podcasters for the last seven years. I've been covering Star Wars going all the way back to the release of the special editions in '97. And yeah. um, wow. it's just, you know, you can hear it. You can hear it in my voice. I'm just so excited. I'm like bursting at the <laughs> seams. And so, uh, you know, and if I don't stop talking now, this show's going to go on for three hours. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, Steve, yeah. Well, Steve, quick, jump, throw in a question or well, something. Well, I've tried. I've tried, but you're talking so fast, and I'm so scared of you, Jimmy Mac. You get that Chicago thing going sometimes. Um, <laughs> the other thing that people have asked, um, and Jason, we'll ping pong back to you now. Um, what? What? Yeah. What happened? You're still there. Um, first off, let me say, Jim, thanks. That's incredibly high praise. That's that the, the you that that means a lot to me. And secondly, Jason, on the Obi Wan episode, I actually referenced you because you gave me something that gave me an insight into Obi Wan Kenobi. With these words, the burden of Obi Wan. Um, I heard you talking about that on an episode, and it and that just clicked with me. And by the end of my Obi-Wan episode, I was getting choked up talking about what this guy had gone through. And when Luke shows up, um, that the reason he takes him under his wing is because, well, he's his best friend's son. And, um, and, yeah. and, and that just, that, and so, so that was just a, when, when I heard you say that, and I forget where it was that you said it, if it was a roundtable discussion or something, but you just mentioned the burden of Obi-Wan. And I was like, oh my gosh. That just opened my eyes completely differently to that character. But the other thing people have asked me about Rebel Force Radio, and I mean, these are literally specific questions I get via text and email, is um, 
are you guys going official Lucasfilm podcast now, or have you guys been? Has Lucasfilm reached out to you? Everyone has this perception that you guys are 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 about to be working for the man. No, no. I mean that's that's not it at all. I mean, in in fact, I mean, as we said on the show, it was released this weekend. Uh, it's about independence, mm-hmm. and you know, I don't know that we would necessarily trade one master for another uh, at this stage. And I also think that we're much more effective uh, doing what we do the way we do it than uh, we would be if there was some sort of official connection. I, I, I love that the, we have a very um, good relationship. I think there, there's, a, there's certainly a level of trust there, mm-hmm. and uh, that's not going away. Yeah. Um, but as far as it being you know, anything, uh, you know, an official capacity... Uh, no, the phone's not, the phone's not ringing. Right, right. And, uh, I don't know that it would be a foregone conclusion if it did. Sure. Well, yeah, now, but if want to call, if, if, <laughs> if that phone does start ringing, I think me and Jason will be whistling a different tune. Sure. Okay. Sure. <laughs> and, and who could blame you? Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and who could blame you? Um, with that, Jason, just real quickly, just an opinion thing here with, with the way, what you're given can be taken away as well. Mm. Given something from someone else. Yeah. That's what's, you know, okay, so that's the core of what's going on here yeah. is, again, that word, that one word, independence. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all coming down to. Yeah. Um, unfiltered, independence, new house, same people living inside. Well, now, Jason, you guys um, have obviously been at the forefront of fandom for a while, and I, and I do, I mean that. You guys have kind of been leading the charge of Star Wars fandom for years now. Uh, Definitely been on the foreskin of fandom. Mm, easy killer. <laughs> friendly, family friendly. <laughs> this, uh, but, but I mean, like, literally, there are other people out there that do it. They don't do it quite as well. They don't have the production value. They don't have, they don't have the enthusiasm. They don't have, and, and Jason, you and I have talked about this before, you know, the, anyone can sit down and report something and read something, but it takes a special personality to be able to, 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 to communicate. Well, I think we do, yeah, I think what we do is we add value. Right. I think right. that news is a commodity these days. You can get it anywhere, any way you want it, at any time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so what value do you bring to it? And the value that we bring to it is context. Mm-hmm. Uh, we not only tell you what the news is, we, we, we screen it. We tell you what you should know or what you, we think that um, might be interesting to you and what it means to you. Yeah. So we give it the context. And a lot of times... Man, oh man, you're dealing with the kind of passion that, that Star Wars fans have. Uh, it's, it's nice to provide a little bit of, a little bit of context, uh, you know, some of these announcements and rumors and things like that. Because, you know, and, and we, ourselves, we sometimes get carried away, but sometimes you got to dial it back. And, um, and that's one of the things I think that we help, we help to do and have a lot of fun in the process. Oh, yeah, definitely. The there's, other one thing- thing, <laughs> there's, there's one thing about having a podcast and just reading news stories about what's going on in Star Wars, that's all fine and good. But my, uh, my advice to podcasters is if you're going to talk about, if you're going to report a news story, have something to say about it. Don't mm-hmm. just give the facts. Provide some analysis. If you don't have something to say about the story, then don't report it. Yeah. Make it personal. Make the, the show, claim ownership of your own show. Make it about you and your experiences as a Star Wars fan. And if you have, don't feel like you have to read a news story 
just because it's there, because people expect you to at least acknowledge it. You don't have to do that. Your audience is not dumb. They know what's going on. They're seeking out Star Wars podcasts because they have their finger on the pulse and they want to become more connected. They have a connection. They're just looking at the podcast as a different way to connect. And it's easy to build communities with podcasting, too, when you throw your personality into it. Because then people start hearing parts of themselves in things you're saying. So make it about you and expand your personality. Don't just grab a story just to read it about Star Wars 1313 or Clone Wars, unless you really have an opinion about it and you are able to articulate that opinion and, and get your message across. Or it, it, it provides you a platform to open dialogue with your listeners too. make it interactive. So there you go. That's, uh, that's just my tip. If, if you're someone who's thinking about getting into Star Wars podcasting, and you're trying to say, well, how, what should I do? How should I do it? There's so much Star Wars news. I don't know what angle to take. Listen to your gut and go with what you like and the things you have an opinion about. And then push the other things aside. It still exists. You can always go out and grab a story if you have something to say about it. Or if something comes up where you need information and you can then relay that information. But always think about you as a Star Wars fan and the things that matter to you. And then everything will fall into place. Yep. Yeah. The final, the final question I have about Rebel Force Radio is probably the biggest one and the most important one about the, the, the podcast, the new podcast, and the direction you guys are taking. Um, Steve Glosson, will he still be the official parodyist of <laughs> Rebel Force Radio? Absolutely. You are the parodyist. You are the chauffeur. Okay. <laughs> this is true. I believe you did drive my uh, brother, Billy Mack, and uh, his daughter to the airport after yep. Yep. Celebration 6. And Michael <laughs> Mack was there as well. Yeah, we got and Michael. And my own son, Michael. Yep. My own flesh and blood. Yep. So you, you, you got them safely to the airport, so you provide that service for us. Uh, spiritual advisor. Um, uh, cry towel, you know, for when we're weeping. Cry we towel. need a shoulder to cry on. Cry we, we have you for that. You know, I asked you this in uh, Orlando, and I don't think I really got the answer from you, but at that time you had dropped your big honking moniker, mm-hmm. and you wanted to, I think, it was in an attempt to just say, this is me unfiltered. Right. This, I'm not hiding behind a persona or anything. And the big honking name is a great name. Mm-hmm. And because you are a big dude right. physically yes. people assume that's the big honking but to me the big honking comes from what's in your heart and the person you are and the passion you have and the ability you have to communicate that's the big honking part of you and i think it's just such a a great <laughs> it's the greatest radio nickname i think i've ever <laughs> big honking steve it's just it, it talks about you because you get a big slice of life with you man and that's why i'm glad you brought that back and because it's not a persona it's it's a description and it's an essence of your character so um i still don't know the whole story about why you dropped it and why you brought it back, but it doesn't matter anymore. That's just well, how we I... Brought, we brought the show back. I still don't really go by Big Honk and Steve that much. Oh, crying out loud. Sorry. Well, but, you'll hey, always be Big honking to me. And that's fine. That is fine and dandy with me. Well, guys, it's, it's rebelforceradio.com, uh, the podcast Rebel Force Radio, your source for the force. Uh, Jason Swank, Jimmy Mack, thanks so much for, for coming on telling us about this. We're going we're gonna to help you guys promote... 
Uh, anytime you guys need to get the word out about anything, let us know. Um, and we'll be glad to, to get the word out for you guys because we believe in what you're doing. Um, you know, in an all-fair conversation, Jimmy, we talked about the idea of loyalty and how important loyalty is. And, 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 I, and I think that we are kindred spirits in that sense. And, and so you guys have been so good to geek out loud. We want to return the favor and, and be as good to you as we possibly can be. So um, thanks so much for coming on today and, and know that we've got your back and want to help you do whatever we can do to make, uh, to make Rebel Force Radio the best it can be. Thanks, Steve. Anytime, man. Anytime. And uh, Rebel Force Radio listeners uh, and former Forcecast listeners, uh, n- no doubt Steve will, be, uh, Steve will be back. Yes. May the Force be with you, bro. Always. What an amazing pair, huh, Derek? I, f- I felt like I was there. I, well, <laughs> oh, we should have stericked him. I was, <laughs> I was hanging on every word. We should have steric every non-existent word. Steve just Dark Knight rised me. That's I don't get it. I don't, this Dark is Knight not a car. Rise. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Dark Knight rised me. Rised did rises. Risen. Dark Knight rose. Dark Knight rose me. He just Dark Knight rose me. I don't. I don't understand. Because you did a Dark Knight Rises episode and then you didn't put in any of the audio oh, in there. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Who's the only man to ever beat me at freestyle? Only me. Only you. <laughs> Darth Vader breathing. Darth Vader breathing. <sighs> DJ, drop a beat. That's really good. Thank you. Thank you. Like, I'm suspicious that you actually did it. <laughs> and now I'm mad that you didn't include me in it. I'm Bane. That's my name. Wow, that's 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 hauntingly good. Thank you. That makes me feel great because now that's there, awesome. Yeah, now there are two voices that I can do well. Yours and Bane's. That's right. That's right. Okay. That's right. Well, well played. You do a fantastic Steve Lawson. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. I I used to be able to do Cobra Commander. I don't know if I yeah st- you did didn't yeah, you I don't know if I still can I hadn't done it in a while out of curiosity how far are we into the episode now uh five uh fifty minutes fifty no minutes. no no oh, 50. okay yeah, yeah let's just call it fifty minutes so now we've caught up with our actual time of yes, how long we've yes. been here trying That's, to do this and it feels so much more right it, yeah the, the jet I lag. feel like the audience has been along with us every step of the way no no more jet lag from all three of the failed bathroom attempts to mm. now. Let me tell you something. When, when you, will then be now? Soon. If you have three failed bathroom attempts, see your doctor. <laughs> now. Should it last more than four hours? Right. Congrats. Mm, uh, anyhow, moving right along. Uh, I have one snippet on this episode that I want to get into real quickly, and it won't take long at all, Derek. Yes, sir. I want to say thank you to everyone for the birthday wishes. I thought you were about to step down. No. No. <laughs> I was like, this is it. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> I want to say thanks to everybody for the past 10 years. Goodbye. <laughs> Deuces. How dare you spring this on me on the air? Have you no shame? Well, I mean, it could be just the beginning of season 10 of Smallville. Um <laughs> 
Which, by the way, dark times. <laughs> which, by the way, Michael Bailey, the professor, uh-huh. has been texting me a little bit lately as they've been. He's been rewatching Smallville, or really these the later episodes, watching for the first time. He and his wife, mm-hmm. and he just watched Fortune the other day, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Well, then you must listen." Did, to he, the, did he tune in? I told him, I said, "You must listen to the shoe episode about Fortune," and um, I don't know if he has or not, but uh. I told him about. Oh, you'll know it when he has. Oh yes, yes. And uh, he said he loved it, and he talked about that last scene of all them together, and it, how mm-hmm. how sad it made him knowing what's coming. I'm like, me too, buddy. Mm-hmm. Me too. So um, Bailey, Bailey, and he's all about it, man. Like he was texting me during season nine. He's like, this is amazing. Why did I ever stop watching? You know. And so um, that makes me feel good. That that one of the bigger Superman fans that we know out there is digging Smallville still. And he's been reading the the comics by BQ. But anyhow, back to my snippet. I just want to say thanks, everyone, for all the birthday wishes. My birthday was this past Friday as of this recording. And um, it was was set to be a pretty non-eventful day. And it ended up being just kind of crazy and and so uh, you know it's it's become for me one of the i mean it, 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 when somebody can't can't, can't even call in the big honking i show. know right it was it was <clears throat> it was why i'm with you dude i know i know i was like we'll call you back and we never did it was there were people in and no, out. i called and you were like no we can't have you well, on we right just now going to break. well we just going to break well I was that's what I was waiting for when you came back in from oh, break. No, you said you thought you were following right up immediately. You didn't realize we were at break. Just ruin the joke, Steve. I'm sorry. Um Go ahead and step down, just save us all the I'm, trouble. I'm, <laughs> I'm not stepping down. One of us is stepping down. And tonight. we're gonna sell geek out loud. Um <laughs> so. Oh, you don't want to sell this? That's fine. We'll just take it. We'll just take it. Um, oh wow! But anyway, wow, wow, wow! Just got real. <laughs> they got real inside. Um, but no, one of the things over the past few years that has just really helped make the birthday specials when you get on Twitter, you get on Facebook, and you just see people saying happy birthday, and you know, it. On one hand, for some people, it's like, well, it's not. It's no big deal if they really like me, they'd say hello, you know, on a more regular basis. But to me, it's like, no, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time to even just post on a wall or just at reply me and and it really because throughout the day you get more and you know as the day wears on more people say and so it's like you get to spend all day being told happy birthday and people kind of saying you know just remembering you and it it, i appreciate it It means a lot so i just want to say thanks my snippet is this thanks everyone it means a lot had a great birthday and appreciate uh all the well wishes the end all right all right um, I don't think I have a snippet for you. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, we're going to put off bonding. I have watched all of the Bond movies officially now, Derek. Uh, we'll put off bonding until the next episode because of some of the stuff we've got to talk about here the, today. I don't know what we could possibly have to talk about today. But, um, but I will say this as a preview. I've not watched a Bond movie that I did not enjoy. That's good. So there you go. Oh, I know you're wanting to talk Les Mis on this episode. That's, that's what's right. going to take that's up so right. much time. Les Mis has, is, Les Mis. has hit the theaters. Les Mis, Les ladies Mis. and gentlemen. Uh, actually, the only Miz that I know is the WWE superstar, The Miz. Um, the Nino. <laughs> the, which, which every, for those of you who don't hobble, Habla Espanol, El Nino is Spanish for 
the, the Nino. Nino. Um. All right. I don't know how this is going to go, Derek. Apparently, there's some. Is it Man of Steel news? Is it Superman comic news? Well, it's Man of Steel news. Okay, there's some Man of Steel news that is and, apparently... And, and you don't know where this is going, and I, I don't want to get controversial here. I, let's do it. Okay, let's get controversial All here. Right. So you don't know where this is going into, so I'm about to blow your mind. Okay, go. I want to preface what I'm about to say by saying this came out of IMDB, mm-hmm. which pretty much means... Everybody who's clamor needs to shut up because it's probably either not going to come to fruition. Well, it's a 50-50 shot. It'll come to fruition or it won't. <laughs> I was going to say, Derek, you've either got not come to fruition or does come to fruition. Come to fruition. Those are the options. Are there any, is there any in-between ground? Does sword half comes come to, to fruition? fruition? It doesn't just come to fru. <laughs> okay. All right. So what is IMDB saying? I have to be saying is that, that, that there is an actress who who you may remember in uh, in the trailer. Do you remember the scene with um, Perry, Perry running away from the destruction of Metropolis sure, with a, with a girl sure locked do. in his arm? I sure do. That's apparently Jimmy Olsen. Huh? Jenny Olsen. Ooh. Um. It would it would appear if you were to trust the casting on IMDb. That this actress is that they have they have swapped genders for Jimmy Olsen and then in this new uh, take on the Man of Steel on Superman hmm. uh, that we have a uh, a female Jimmy Olsen. Okay. All I have to say to that is shut up, people. If I see one, I just it, you just you know those things you just want to put your fist through the computer screen. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm so sick. That's great. If I would love, I think it's a great thing. Cool. Whatever. Do it. Do it up. I have no problem with it whatsoever. But oh my God. You, you can't have somebody complaining about it without them being called a sexist. You can't have somebody saying they're cool with it without being called, you know, not true to the mythos and all that stuff. I'm just sick of it from both sides. If it if it's gonna happen, if it have if it's true, then it's gonna happen. No, no clamoring, as we've learned, no clamoring on the internet's gonna change anything about that. Is is the actress someone we're familiar with? Now I'm not sure if she's been in a whole. I can't think of her name off the top of my head either. I will while you discuss your thoughts on this. I go to the internet. All right. Well, this is the first time I've heard it, and so this is gonna be my initial knee jerk reaction to what you've said. Um. I feel like the people who will complain about it are the, I don't, hmm, I don't, well, hmm, hmm, huh, you, huh, okay, do you hmm. remember that episode of the Animaniacs mm-hmm. when they would spin the Wheel of Morality? Yes. Yeah. Wheel of Morality, mm-hmm. turn, turn, mm-hmm. turn. That has nothing to do with this, but... No. I thought you were going to spin the wheel there for a second. Do you remember the show Tasmania? Yeah. used to come on. Do you remember the father in Tasmania? Like the Tasmanian devil's dad? Yeah, the dad, yeah. 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 All right, whenever he'd get ready to do, to like, he was going to give a fatherly speech, he would do, it would go exactly like I'm about to say. Well, son, you got to remember... What's really important? It's all the blah blah blah, the yakety smackety blah blah. Mm-hmm. It's the blah blah, I say, yakety smackety, blah blah. <laughs> and that is my take on this whole thing. 
Great if it does. Great if it doesn't. I, well, I, I just feel like here's okay when it, when it was announced that Lawrence Fishburne was going to be Perry White. Um, there, there's the there is the reaction to get up in arms because, you know, you look and you're like, well, Perry White's not not a person of color, so to speak. Perry White's not African American. Perry White's not black. Perry White, you know. And, and if the minute you say that, you're coming across as being racist, saying that, oh, a black person can't be the character of Perry White. When, honestly, I look at that and I'm like, what an incredible actor to get for that role. Yes. Uh, you know, and, I, and I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. Is it, was it surprising to me? Yes. And it was it mainly based on the race that it was surprising to me at first? Yes. But I appreciate the fact that what we're doing is letting the character transcend a, a racial boundary, much like they did with the Kingpin in the Daredevil movie with the late Michael Clark Duncan, who played a phenomenal Kingpin. You know, I, I think that I think that you couldn't have gotten anyone else in that role to be better, to be as smooth as he needed to be, to be as powerful as he needed to be. And in this case, um, with with Lawrence Fishburne, I don't think you get anyone that has as much gravitas but can also play the comedic stuff if you've ever seen his his run on Pee Wee's Playhouse from back in the day. I, I just think that he has the chops to do what is necessary in this thing. Now, having said that, Jimmy Olsen to Jenny Olsen to me is a little bit trickier because you're shifting genders. Because That's a horse of a different color. It really is, no, no pun intended. The, the truth of the matter is, is when you're shifting, to me, when you're shifting races, though there are some experiences that are different and that sort of thing, you're really all you're doing is 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 darkening or lighting lightening a skin tone at the at the end of the day um when you're shifting genders you're shifting whole emotional ranges and, and i don't say that to be sexist i don't say that there's a distinct difference between men and women i'm sorry and it's more than you know it's it's more than just body parts it is there's a distinct makeup that is different in all of it in in between men and women and and for better or for worse. And that's not to say that one's better than the other. It's just to say that there's differences. And so when you have a female character in that role, here's, here's what I'm looking, here's the immediate thing that hit me. Our, we've, got, uh, we've, got a, we've got a follower who's, who's on Twitter that's communicated with us before. Her name's Emily. I believe she's kind of involved in the photography stuff. Our friend Pinky, uh, Sabrina, uh, who, who, belong, or who Blaine belongs to, um, she does the photography. Um, I know several people who are into photography and the art side of it, and they're mostly girls here lately. You know, I've got a lot of friends that are females that are in And so to me, I'm like, okay, makes sense. Um, beyond that, hello, an excited young lady to work at the Daily Planet underneath the guy, uh, you know, underneath the watchful eye of, you know, star reporter Lois Lane. Heck yeah. What a great way to set up, you know, a, a cool relationship between Lois and the Jimmy Olsen, or in this case, Jenny Olsen character, you know, that you don't have to, you, that, that will seem to be a little bit more natural and to seem to flow a little bit better. And I don't know, I, I don't have a problem with it. I think that if you've got a good actor and the role is right and the writing's good, whoop-de-doo. I will say that if the the next bit of news that we talk about in, here in the next ten fifteen minutes or whatever had not happened, the big news for this week would have been that. 
this would still be, and it still is pretty. It is. I mean, that is. I mean, that's. I mean, and don't get me wrong. It is substantial. I'll tell you this. I like. I like changing the gender of the Jimmy Olsen character better than I like Jimmy Olsen being in Smallville, dying and finding out that the real Jimmy Olsen is his little brother, who also goes by Jimmy. Oh, they never did that. Oh, that's. I guess not. You crazy. You crazy. That didn't you happen. You crazy, Steve Gloss. That didn't happen. <laughs> as I remember, <laughs> as, I, um, as I remember, Sam Witwer ran a snooker stick through him or something. Uh, the actress's name is Rebecca Buller, and she has only ever done one other thing. She was an episode of the Playboy Club, okay. the failed NBC show All from right. last season or season before last. Um, again, this is IMDb. Mm-hmm. The two things that that, that that really only have going for this story, two pieces of credential evidence, are the IMDb listing of her as Jenny Olsen mm-hmm. and that she is the woman running with Perry White okay. in the trailer, what? away from the destruction. And, and they the have no listing for a Jimmy Olsen. There is no. There had never been discussion of a Jimmy Olsen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could just be a sister. Or they could. I'm. I'm. I'm totally fine if they gender swapped him right. for her. I have no issue I mean, with I, it. I really don't. I, you know, I have issue with this endless amount of crap I've had to peruse to even get to actual. Not saying that this is an actual news because I think this is a cool thing and I think it's something that should get a highlight if it's a true story. Um, again, there's been no evidence supporting this other than those two factoids I just gave you. Mm-hmm. And well, I don't want to breeze it over because I think it's I think it's a cool thing. Sure. I think it's a cool thing if they do this. I love Jimmy. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, he's Superman's pal. Okay, and that's what I was going to say. I think this may kind of mess up that, not, that, that relationship dynamic of him being Superman's pal. Why? Chloe was Superman's pal. Chloe was Superman's pal. But here's the thing. She, if depending on her age, I don't want her to be a romantic. Foil I don't think. I don't think. Would, she, you know I don't think they would go that. I don't think okay. they would do that. That's that'd be my only fear. I, I don't. Th- it, it. I don't think they'd do that because I'd never want her and and Lois competing for the affection of Superman. They're not going to do that. Okay. Um. Then I got no problem. I mean, I really don't. I don't have a problem with that at I all. I think it's great. I think it's a cool thing. Yeah. I, it's another little niche in this reboot for a whole new generation. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, here this is the thing you got to think about. There's a lot that's established in these books and in this and and in the continuity and in the universe of Superman that was established outside of the holy sacred comic texts. Uh, there was stuff that was established in the uh, in the radio dramas, in the in the uh, in the TV shows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that became part of the sacred holy comic text it, you know it, that that everyone looks to and calls you know source material mhm so why not have something change it up and shift it up because i feel like one of the things that <clears throat> in and this is a whole different discussion but that's fine one of the things that dc has found itself doing and even marvel now is trying to do to attract new readers and to try to make things fresh, they always go to these big event things, and mm-hmm. and then or either a full-on reboot of the entire universe, like the New Fifty Two or whatever. Um, which, by the way, 
on on some intense recommendations, I went back and and read uh, Scott Snyder's Batman mm-hmm. stuff. Dude, it's pretty good. It is. I mean, his that owls that whole uh, the core, core of owls, owls storyline. I, I would say of anything in the new Fifty Two that launched back in what, June or July. It's been a year and a half. That year, it's the best. Yeah, I mean, it's that Court of Owls storyline, and now this death of the family mm-hmm. stuff, the way that the, the Joker's being written is just... I'm, I'm, I've been sucked into... And I've never been sucked into Batman like this before. Um, and But I went back and reread it on, on, on the advice of a few. And so... Um, but anyhow, with... They they keep trying to do this stuff when really it's like, let's tap into these other mediums. And I'll tell you one thing that's happened is the Avengers movie has done that in Marvel. The main Avengers title in Marvel are now the the, the makeup of the Avengers, the core of the Avengers are those those five that we had, five or six we had in, in the Avengers cap, Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, Black Widow and Hawkeye. Um you know, and so so Marvel's kind of doing that a little bit. They're really they're taking what is popular in the mainstream and bringing it into the comics so that when people pick it up, there'll be something there that they recognize. And there's nothing wrong with that. They haven't done away with the, with the continuity. They're just using the characters now that people are familiar with. And I, you know, the same thing can be done to freshen up what's going on over in DC and what an, what an incredible opportunity they had to go ahead, ahead and do that. Ever since Chloe came into Smallville, people have been clamoring for her to get brought into the comics in the right way, and she never really was um, brought in to me in a satisfactory way to be Chloe. And, and I don't know why they felt like they had to dress her up or change her personality or change you know, who she was. Just bring that character in and, and retcon a few things that she knows Clark from way back. And maybe she was gone because she was hiding or whatever. You know, She doesn't have to be married to Oliver or anything like that, but... I just I think that I think that this could be good to breathe some life into not that, and again I'm not saying that these secondary characters or the supporting cast of Superman need it, but you're talking about sixty plus years when it comes to some of these supporting cast characters of of history that you know it's a different time now, yeah. And if you're going to be doing Superman for the 21st century. A few of these things are going to fit in and be okay, you know. And so, I don't—I honestly don't have a problem with it at all. And I'll be interested to see it. As long, like I say, as long as she, as long as the character's well written, you know. To me, the thing they need to do is just not slap you in the face that she's a girl. Just here's this character, boom, you know, and not worry about trying to throw something into dialogue or, or be cute about it. Just do it. And you think they might pull a. Um a thing like they did with Monty Penny and uh, Skyfall, and had just kind of have her. They just in there she's the whole just time. Perry's assistant. They call her Jenny through the whole movie, and at the end, you figure out she's Jenny Olsen. They could do that, but since it's on IMDb already, let me tell you, <laughs> I don't want to go to bonding, right? But I adored that. Oh yeah. Oh, that yeah. was the coolest, th- and I and I I hate that I figured it out. Yeah, because I, I kind of felt well the when the first time she kind of comes to him when they've got like the whole secondary base set up, 
And, and that's you, that's when I figured it out. Yeah, when, he mean, came in, when he yeah. when she came in there and got him and said she's been relieved of duty mm-hmm. in the field, and yeah. I I started thinking, is she money meeting? Yeah, yeah. I figured. I mean, I kind of figured that when that happened. Because I leaned over to my buddy that was with me. I was like, I think she's money meeting. He was like, Shut up! I didn't know. And I was like, I don't know. I'm guessing. Which now that right. by the next time we do gold, that'll be out on DVD. I think that comes out the twelfth of February. Yeah. So um, there's some really interesting cast and crew uh, listings uh, on IMDb for Man of Steel. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uncredited uh, military soldier. Okay. Uncredited train ticket buyer. Mm. Uncredited rubble survivor. Wow. Well, there, um, there you go. But some things interested me in Smallville. Yeah. Whitney Fordman. Uh uh-uh. uh. Pete Ross. Mm-hmm. Lana Lang. Yeah. Clark Kent at age 13. Mm-hmm. And to our comics readers, where did he go? Kenny Braverman. Well, yeah, that, hey, you got to have Kenny Braverman in Smallville. I'd love that. What if they apparently, the, apparently he's here. That's good, though. What if that's, that's way inside? That is, that is. If you don't know what we're talking about, check out, isn't that the conduit storyline? Check out uh, the death of Clark Kent. Death of Clark Kent, yep. And didn't he become conduit? Isn't that the name I'm yeah, thinking conduit. of? Yeah, conduit. So I, I think, listen, anytime you have the nods like that, that to me, if that stuff turn, pans out to be the truth, which, you know, I don't. It's IMDb. It's IMDb. Um, to me, that just thickens how good this movie could be because if you're throwing stuff like that, I mean, Whitney Fordman, was he, isn't he just strictly a straight-up Smallville? No, he's not. Okay, I thought he was. So, but anyhow. No. Flash Gordon. So, Yeah, well, that show didn't last. What's funny is, talking about, you know, Will It's... Flash! Ah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Savior of the universe. Here to save every one of us. Um... Well, speaking of, thank you, thank you for saving every one of us. Yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, well, since we since we kind of brought up Smallville, I think it's pertinent to mention Brian Q. Miller. Yes, and 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 what he's got going on, uh, Earthward Jim. Earthward Jim. Mm-hmm. Or is it just, okay. It was just Earthward. Earthward. Is that the Earth- name of the? It's Earthward. 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 Like Earth. forward. Right. The the sequel will be Earthward. Where's our Earthward confusion Jim. here? I'm making a play on words with Earthworm. Oh, go ahead. I was saying Earthworm Jim. Anyhow, he's Brian I Miller. Got it. Brian Q. Miller, our good friend and uh and, and regular contributor to Starkville House of Ale, is mm-hmm. uh got a little Kickstarter going. Uh, it's not a little Kickstarter anymore, Steve. Got a big Kickstarter going. Got a big Kickstarter going. Tell uh, us about it, Derek. Well, we were we were um, looking. It was going to be they were going to run it for a month. If you don't know what Kickstarter is, let's give you a little background. Kickstarter then is where online. Have you been? What? Do what? <laughs> Do what now? If you don't know what Kickstarter is, you're an idiot. You're <laughs> <laughs> let's give you a little background. If you don't know what Kickstarter is, moron. <laughs> Steve, push the moron button. Um, Do I have one of those? I don't know. Um, But yes, uh, so Kickstarter is is, is something where you create uh, something you've created, something you wish to create. You go and you raise money for it to bring it to the masses. A lot of people, this is how they fund their independent films. 
Uh, Steve, I saw one this week that uh, the guy who does Metalocalypse mm-hmm. on on Cartoon Network on a swim is is re- is trying to get eighty thousand dollars to do a documentary on uh, the um, Superman Lives, the Tim oh, Burton. Wow. And and wants to interview Nick Cage and Sandra Bullock and all all the people involved with it, and if he gets to the eighty thousand mark, he's actually going to film some scenes from Kevin Smith's script. Oh, cool! For the documentary, nice. It's got a lot of like ridiculous incentives too. Incentives with Kickstarter are if you pay a certain amount, mm-hmm. you get something in return in addition to helping out. Uh, a lot of times with movies, you can be listed as an executive producer in the credits. You might get a T-shirt. Um, Brian's had a lot of really cool ones with his. What he has done is he has created an original graphic novel called Earthward. Not Jim. Mm-hmm. All right. But <laughs> thank you, Steve. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you now. I totally understand. Yes. And um, and uh, they had a goal set for $30,000. They've already gone over 20000 and it's not even been going 10 days yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to get there quickly. Um, but they had a, had a lot of a great incentives for the first round uh, for day one when it launched, and those have all sold out. You could still contribute. You just won't get any incentives. But a new round of incentives are going to be coming this week. Oh, wow. So, so you won't want to be watching that. All new levels you know, you give $75, you get this. You give $150, you get this. Currently, as 11.08 p.m. on whatever today is, the 27th. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Oh, That's Sunday, right. January 27th. They are at $21,000 and $21,155 of their $30,000 goal. All right. With 20 days to go. Yeah. Um, you, can, you can contribute as little as a dollar. To to uh, Sally Struthers mm. and the small children. <laughs> I, I got. I took a turn I wasn't expecting there. I, just for just the amount of a Coca Cola. I didn't realize you, Brian was involved in that. <laughs> They're holding him captive. Sally Struthers has him. <laughs> if we don't raise the thirty thousand, they won't let him go. <laughs> um. But yeah, you can you can pledge as little as a dollar, and uh, even if you pledge a dollar, you get listed in the thank you section of the oh, graphic nice. novel. Nice, nice. Um, but instead of going from there, you know, one hundred and fifty dollars, you get an actual copy of it in your hands. Okay. Uh, things of that nature. So it's really cool. Uh, it's for you know seven ages for ages seven and up. It's a real PG. It's really family friendly. Um, it doesn't pander to kids or adults. It's just really made for for both. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of heralded at Goonies in Space. Oh, wow. Is, is what he's calling it. Well, and let's just be honest. Brian is a great writer. He is. Like, he, he is, he's done something with this Smallville stuff. Like, his imagination and the way he knows how to just to craft a story and, to get, and suck you in and, and maintain characters and do everything he needs to do just right. He's done with the Smallville comic. And... Um, and, and in a challenging way, in as much as it's released weekly in this digital form, and so, you know, having to write for that. So to be doing his own thing with, with original idea, original characters, is just super exciting. And uh, and I just encourage you to check it out. Head over and, and check out his Kickstarter and donate even just a dollar if you can. And um, and let's give him the, the means to get this thing out there. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's cool. Um, you know, it's very much a, a love letter to all things uh, '80s space related. You know, Flight of the Navigator, Space Camp, Ugh. all those types. I of mean, things. you were seeing, you you had me at Flight of I'm, the Navigator. I, exactly, <laughs> Steve. Did you see what I tweeted the other day about Flight of the Navigator? No. Blu-ray. <gasps> Tuesday. This coming Tuesday. But for forty dollars, and there's nothing on it. I mean, it's still worth it. Because Flight of the Navigator's top ten favorite movies of all time. Is that a real story? Do what now? Are you serious? That much? Yeah, it was on Amazon. It was like forty-two dollars. And there's no, there's nothing. There I'm still getting it. And I don't care. For that, there has to be. There's nothing, Stephen. That's crazy. Anyway, uh, follow Brian on the Twitter, twitter.com forward slash at Brian Q Miller. Uh, I'm 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 guessing you can probably find a link from there to the Kickstarter. You can go to Kickstarter.com and search Earthward by Brian Q. Miller. Um he's got all kinds of artwork up, uh, a lot of details about the project. The more money they raise, the longer they're going to make the book. Uh if they hit thirty thousand dollars, it's gonna be a hundred and ten page graphic novel, but there's the possibility of it maybe, you know, getting to be uh the better the book, obviously, better the art and everything, but but possibly longer as well. Um so I'm hoping that within a week, the way it's been going, within 10 days, they've already got two-thirds of it done. Yeah. So I'm hoping within the week we'll see this thing done and funded, which is awesome considering there's 20 days left to go. Definitely. Definitely. Um, but yes, and you have until Sunday, February 17th. Awesome. To, well, best uh, best to, wishes and best of luck to that project. And and uh, if you've got something that's Kickstarter and, and you want us to talk about it, let us know and we'll check it out. And if we like it, we'll definitely... Steve and I are doing a Kickstarter. You, so. Are we? Sure. Okay. If you never hear us talk about your Kickstarter, that means we didn't like it, and you should probably just <laughs> and give, you should probably give, give up. up on your dreams and go home. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, that's. I think that's all we've got to talk that's, about. That's about it, Derek. So uh, uh-huh. until until Jenny Olsen becomes Jimmy, mm-hmm. or vice versa. Yep. Um, no, there is one other thing that I definitely want to touch on. Um, see you, Steve. See you, Derek. Um, this is going to sound funny considering we just had this whole Jimmy, Jenny Olsen discussion based on IMDb. Uh-huh. In the early days of Geek Out Loud. Uh-oh, we got a preface. Yeah, when I was, when I was just, when it was just me doing it, a lot of times I would oh, take I, Oh, I, I, I heard what you meant. No, I didn't mean. I, I was just saying when I didn't, when it was just me, and I was rambling on about that. I should give up my Kickstarter and go home. I got it. Mm-mm. That's mm. not what I said at all. I heard it between the lines. Mm, I think you're being a little oversensitive. Okay. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Well, yeah, well, got some. Learned uh, it from you. Learned it from watching you. Going on a hero's journey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I I used to take and I would try to compile. You know all the stuff that I was really interested with news-wise, and I would try to talk about it and expound upon it, and and like I remember just really getting caught up in news about the 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 non-existent, not never happened Justice League movie at the time, um, and and I spent you know twenty thirty minutes at a time sometimes talking about this Justice League project that Warner Brothers was talking about that never really came to fruition, and after that. You know, and, and since we've been, and since you and I've been doing it, and I like the way I've kind of changed things, I've never really been Geek Out Loud's never really been a news podcast. Um, we're not going to break news on this podcast. 
You're not gonna you're not gonna be listening and hear something that you've not heard unless it's personal. <laughs> right. Unless it's personal <laughs> stuff about me and Derek. A lot of times when we talk about it, it's all the news is broken and it's confirmed and all this Sorry. other stuff. We I've just been handed a bulletin. Thank you. This Steve's is a ba- Steve's news- bathroom is under repair. This is a Muppet news flash. Um It's raining men. That's right. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh no, and so what? A lot of times when it's just rumors or there's no really substantial evidence, uh, we don't really talk about it. Now, given that we just talked the Jenny Jimmy thing, but you know, Derek talked about where we get that from. Um, we we get, we put a disclaimer out there. That's true, truth. Uh, but so here's what happened. Does this clip need any setup? So here's what happened. Was it? I guess it was Friday afternoon. Yes. Um. Wrapped, I think is the name of the website, broke the news based on their sources that J.J. Abrams would be directing Star Wars Episode Seven. Oh, come on! Yeah. <laughs> what? Now, here's the I'm thing. I'm literally just hearing about this. A week and a half ago, <laughs> um, there was another vulture put out that Zack Snyder was going to be directing a Star Wars movie based on, you know, inspired by Seven Samurai. Um and someone had tweeted that to me, and I kind of shot it down saying, I don't necessarily... They've already done this in the Clone Wars. I just don't necessarily think this is, holds much water. And sure enough, within about three hours, it was debunked and, you know, not true. Well, this J.J. Abrams thing breaks, and, and everyone was kind of jumping on it, and like, this is it, this is it. And then the news story started getting confirmed by other independent news sources with their own sources to me, it wasn't as much that it was getting confirmed by other places as it was that it wasn't getting not confirmed. Well, and that's the thing. The, Debunked. That's and and that's the one thing I'll say since the since the announcement of Episode Seven, Eight, and Nine, Lucasfilm has done a great job of taking the rumors, going ahead and getting quotes out there from people, and 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 debunking them, whether it's the writing stuff or whatever you know and they were quick to let people know michael aren't not only su- uh supplied a treatment but it will now be writing the script at least for episode seven and so when this thing broke i said well, we'll hear it we'll hear that confirmed sooner or later and then that night in the email came the press release star wars is being kick-started with dynamite um after a bevy of emails and phone calls the formalities have been it's wrapped a mission up. impossible reference yes and at long last, everyone can exhale and properly share the word with an excited internet. Yes, J.J. Abrams will direct Star Wars Episode Seven, the first of a new series of Star Wars film to come from Lucasfilm under the leadership of Kathleen Kennedy. Oh, come on! <laughs> Abrams will be directing, and uh, Academy Award-winning writer Michael Arndt will write the screenplay. Here are a few quotes real quick. Kathleen Kennedy, it's very exciting to have J.J. aboard leading the charge as we're set off as we set off, rather, to make new Star Wars a new Star Wars movie. J.J. is the perfect director to helm this. Beyond having such great instincts as a filmmaker, he has an intuitive understanding of this franchise. He understands the essence of the Star Wars experience and will bring that talent to create an unforgettable motion picture. This is from George Lucas. I've consistently been impressed with J.J. as a filmmaker and storyteller. He's an ideal choice to direct the new Star Wars film, and the legacy couldn't be in better hands. Um, and this is from J.J. Abrams himself. To be a part of the next chapter of the Star Wars saga, to collaborate with Kathleen Kennedy, 
and this remarkable group of people is an absolute honor. I, I don't be, know, Steve. I think it's still maybe fake. Okay. Well, this is straight from Lucasfilm. I may be even more <laughs> grateful to George Lucas now than I was as a kid. Um, so there you go. Uh, consulting on the project are Lawrence Kasdan and Simon Kinberg. Kasdan uh, was a screenwriter on Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Um, so he has a he has a history there with Lucasfilm and Star Wars, and um, so he's he's involved. Um, and then uh, and so it's official. J.J. Abrams directing Star Wars Episode Seven. That's all I have to say about that. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, how do you go feel, ahead, Steve? How do you feel, Derek? You no, 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 no. This is you. You've been holding up. I've well, I've I've chewed on this. I've thought of this, and I want to say I want to say a couple of things right out of the gate, and I want to reiterate something first, and then make a whole brand new statement. Um, <laughs> first, I am tired of people constantly bringing in the Disney name when they talk about what Lucasfilm is doing with Star Wars. I know that Disney now owns Lucasfilm and by proxy Star Wars. Disney is not going to be stirring the pot, making things happen. Disney is going to let Kathleen Kennedy and the people at Lucasfilm do their thing the same way that they let the people at Pixar do their thing, the same way they let uh, the people at Marvel Studios do their thing. You don't see Disney fingerprints all over the Avengers. You don't, uh, granted, Pixar is a different animal because of the animation and because they put the Disney logo right up front and everything, but you don't even see necessarily Disney fingerprints all over that, except for the characters walk around the park. When people start talking about, well, you know, I don't know if Disney will do this with Star Wars. Disney's going to do whatever Lucasfilm does with Star Wars. Okay, Disney's not going to Bob I Bob uh, what's his name? Um, well, how can I not remember mm-hmm. Bob Einberger? Bob, Bob the head of Mi- Disney Eisenberg. Michael Eisner? No, Michael Eisner's not been the head of Disney for a long time. <laughs> Um, I just don't know where you're going with this. My point is, he's not going to step in and say, you need to cast this person, you need to do that. He's going to leave it to these creative people. And I hear so many people on podcasts and on blogs, they keep invoking the name of Disney as though Disney is going to be so hands-on in this franchise. Uh, You know, as as though Mickey Mouse himself is going to come and show up as a Jedi. It's not going to happen. So we can talk, and that's, and that's one of the things I take away from this press release, is you never see Disney mentioned in this press release. This is a Lucasfilm press release. Is Lucasfilm owned by Disney? Yes. Uh, is Star Wars by proxy owned by Disney? Yes. But we still talk of it as though it's Lucasfilm and Star Wars. We don't have to throw the Disney caveat in there. Everyone keeps doing that. We can stop doing that, everybody. Okay, I've now on to the lens flare jokes. Yeah, now on to the no lens flare jokes. The other thing I want to say. Oh, you can. <laughs> there goes my material for the night. <laughs> the uh, the other thing. I, 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 I'm going in blind. I got nothing now. The other thing before I really throw out my opinions on this matter are this. I want people to stop having in depth discussions about Star Trek. Period. No, to 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 start talking about how 
Jason. <laughs> Killing me, Steve. <laughs> to start talking about how J.J. Abrams is going to do with a Star Wars movie. Here's the only thing you need to know about Abrams as in, in Star Trek as it pertains to what's going to happen with Star Wars. Abrams said repeatedly, much to the chagrin of a lot of longtime Star Trek fans, that he did the Star Wars version of Star Trek back in 2009. Guess what? It worked. Okay? Now, having said all that, Abrams is a, a self-professed Star Wars fan. He even said he was always more of a Star Wars fan than a Star Trek fan. He was very open and admitted that throughout the production and the release and the subsequent commentaries and everything else. Of, of Star Trek back in 09. Having said all that, J.J. Abrams' directorial stuff is, is kind of limited. He's done, he did the pilot for Lost, he did a few other things, he was, in, he ends up, on TV, he's done a lot of creation. It's going to be just like that episode of The Office he did. He did The Office, yeah. He, um, he's done... You know, he's done a couple of movies here and there. He's done a lot of executive producing, a lot of creating. He's done some writing. He wrote regarding Henry, by the way. Um, what? Yeah. Are you kidding me? No. The Harrison Ford movie? Yes. Did I, not know that. I just made a Harrison Ford connection for you there, sir. Um, but here's what I think. I, I've been thinking about it. I've been turning over my head. My... The least of my worries are lens flares. I don't really have any worries. I, I, I just hope that the Star Wars we get looks like Star Wars. Um, there's, there's a certain way of... Cinema has evolved to where the camera in, in, a, in a movie now is almost as much of a character as the people in the movies. The camera moves, it sweeps, it does all these things... In Star Wars, there's a lot of motion from everything else but the camera a lot of times, it seems. And that's not a criticism. That's just the way it was shot. It was the, it was the way of the time. And it, and it seems to be a little more static than what movies are made today. The, the key to me is going to be you've got to make this look and feel like Star Wars. Now, everything I've read and know about J.J. Abrams, which isn't much... Let's me know that the guy's a Star Wars fan. He's going to listen to George Lucas as a creative consultant. He's going to listen to Lawrence Kasdan. He's going to listen to these people, and I think he's going to do a great job. Steven Spielberg lobbied for J.J. Abrams to get this job. And, and Steven Spielberg being one of George Lucas's closest friends and one of Kathleen Kennedy's close friends having collaborated with both of them in the past and Kathleen Kennedy on a lot of things, I think that Steven has a good idea of who the right fit would be. And, and so I really, I, I'm all about it. I'm, I'm all about J.J. Abrams stepping into doing this thing. And, um, and, I, and, I, and it seems like everyone's been super positive about it, and, and that's good. You know, I, I am tired of the lens flare jokes. Um, just because it's like, all right, let's move forward now and, and get on to something else. Because the truth of the matter is, is we're not going to have a clue until we see a trailer. J.J. Abrams, he's going to direct a movie that's, that's based on a screenplay and a, and a story by Michael Arndt. And, and there's a lot of elements that are going to have to come together. He's got a lot of uh, 
concepts to approve of now. He's got a lot. Of, there's storyboarding that's going to start being done. There's there's previs stuff that's going to start being done. All this stuff is going to start being done soon if it's not already underway. I, I feel like there's a lot that's underway. Um, and, uh, and, and I don't know. I mean, I just, I think he, I think he's proved himself that he can handle big movies and, uh, and do them well. And so I think that he'll do well with this. I think it, I think it'll be a good start to this new trilogy with him at the helm as director. I don't, I don't expect to see him do eight and nine. Um, but uh, but I don't I, you know. I don't have any reason to be concerned. I think it's a good idea, and I'm looking forward to it, Derek. Uh, let me ask you. Okay. I, I want to interview you before I go into this. Yes. Not as a podcaster or anybody in any. Just just I'm asking you as a Star Wars fan, mm-hmm. somebody who grew up on the wars. Mm-hmm. Are you excited? Take take Star Trek out of it. Take Lost out of it. Take everything else out of it. Are you excited? Am I excited about J. with J. The, with this announcement? No, it doesn't make me more or less excited. It changes your outlook none. None whatsoever. Okay. Because I had to. It at first I was kind. Of, I, I was disappointed because I was wrong. Let's let's go. Let's go ahead and put that out there right now. I really expected Joe Johnson to get the nod. I really truly did. Um, I, I I thought it was going to end up being Favreau, and and so I was like, well, I was especially wrong. after Abrams, pretty much all but he said, there's no way I would do it. Well, he said he'd rather be in the A chair fan. that's in front of the screen than behind the camera, and so, and and that's the other thing. I mean, this is a fan getting to sit in the director's seat. You know, this how, is, how rare does that get to happen? Exactly, and so. You know their criteria for someone to direct this. If you go back and watch the the videos that were released monthly after the the purchase of Disney, with Kathleen Kennedy, Lynn Hale, and George Lucas sitting down talking about it. it's all on StarWars.com. You know their criteria for director was someone that Lynn or that Kathleen knew she could work with. I'm talking about like I know that Miss Kennedy thought she could work with, and who loved Star Wars. You know who had an understanding of what Star Wars was about, and so obviously he meets these things. And so at first I was just kind of like, eh, you know, but then as I settled down and kind of let it process and everything, I'm like, you know what? I'm the, I, I'm totally there. And here, and honest, I hate to talk Star Trek as it, as it pertains to this, but that scene. You can't not. You can't not in a way. That, this has never happened before, Steve. Where someone had directed Star Trek and turned around and went to Star any, Wars any, or any, vice versa? Anything like yeah. this has never happened. That scene in, in Star Trek, in the 2009 Star Trek, when the Enterprise comes blasting out of warp speed mm-hmm. and just firing everything it's got. There's another ship coming out of warp. It's the Enterprise. Oh, my gosh, dude. And, the, and, and Giacchino's music kicks in. Yeah, I'm... Go ahead, Abrams. I'd love to see the Millennium Falcon busting out of hyperspace. Guns a-blazing. You know, I'd love to see what you've got, you know, in, in mind, you and old Michael aren't. And if you bring Gitch, you know, to the table to, to adapt John Williams' work. And, and No, it has to be Williams. It does, I Listen, 
Me and you, same page on that. that that's that's where I, as much as I love Michael, mm-hmm. and as astounding as any score he does is, can you, this isn't like Superman and Man of Steel. Right. Can, can you really come into this and, and not have Williams? But you're going to, I've really, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the man, but by episode nine, you're going to have to. He's in his 80s. That's fine. You know, I, I just give him a chair. Well, my thing is, I think that if I think that Williams should do what Lucas has done, Lucas has taken like Dave Filoni under his wing. He's taken all these other people under his wing and really kind of told them about Star Wars. I'd love to see Williams take Giacchino under his wings and say, here's how I write Star Wars music. And but here because I don't think there's another composer in Hollywood that can do it. No, no. If it, if it's not Williams, it has to be him. It has to be. So and you agree with, with me? And the on fact that. that it's Abrams solidifies that. But well, even if it weren't Abrams, I was going to say they need to tap Giacchino just because I've not heard. I've heard people say Zimmer. I've heard people say Howard listen, Shore. Listen, you could have Hamill. You could have Fisher. You could have Ford. You could have Billy D. And they're all in it. And and they've all signed on, and and it you know it's it, it aged them correctly. It's thirty years after mm-hmm. Jedi. Is this the thirtieth anniversary of Jedi this year? Sure is. Yeah. Um, age it correctly, everything, and everything's in place, and everything's perfect. And then you tell me Williams isn't doing the score. It's gonna. It's it'd be hard. I'm, I'm, yeah. It's gonna hurt. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna hurt me, but I like I say now it won't hurt as bad as if it was somebody else, right? Doing it because you're still gonna have that Star Wars theme. It's it's yes. going to be somebody adapting mm-hmm. music composed by Williams, yep. but it's still gonna it's still it's, gonna sting gonna, a little it's bit. It's gonna sting. It is gonna sting. You're right. But after seeing Super Eight and seeing how he did the score for that, and and knowing. He's got Giacchino has such. Oh, go listen a, to that Cloverfield score. Yes, he's got such a neat range. He's got such an incredible range of what he's able to do and how he's been able to compose some different things. That I really think he could step into the Star Wars universe. And you, Paul Bateman from RalphMcQuarrie.com said that that the that Williams' music is the oxygen of Star Wars. And and I really think that he's someone who could step in and continue almost seamlessly what uh what williams did um in 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 williams style and, and williams music i don't i think it's too premature to be talking about that kind of stuff um but but i definitely see him being able to st- be the one to step in and do it ha- my my only thing would be to them is whoever you get if williams is unable whoever you get it needs to be who you tap for the subsequent fil- films we can't start tossing this thing around you know, um, unless Ken Thorne's still around, he's able to take John Williams' stuff and do a good job with it. <laughs> Come on, Superman 2. I... <laughs> Come on. Um, mm, mm. Ken Thorne did a good job on that school. He did. I'm just... And I'm, 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 I'm hesitant to put thoughts out there. I know. I, when it comes to that, uh, are you hesitant to put thoughts about Abrams? Or Yeah, yeah. I'm Why hesitant to go forward on Abrams. <sighs> Abrams is an easy guy in Hollywood to make fun of. Mm-hmm. Lost pretty much took care of that. Because of the... 
because of a controversial the, the the nature of the series. It was controversial from day one. But did not Abrams kind of create that and then just hand it off to Linda? Yes, Walken he did. But most people don't know that. Okay. Same way with pretty much. Abrams has never seen the show through to the end that but he's he, done. To me, that's the except thing. for the ones that got canceled halfway through the first season. But I also think that's that's a that's the nature of who he is, though, as a creator. I think he's like, all right, here's this idea. That, you that's and run that's with my it. problem, Steve. That's my problem with Abrams. He is a creator. Mm-hmm. I don't. Abr- Abrams does not like to play. Abrams likes to play in 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 the playground that is his mind. And he likes to do stuff like Cloverfield or Lost or Super 8 and things that he 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 he's already seen all that in his head. And then he puts it in mm-hmm. in front of other people's eyes. He took Star Trek and made it his. He made it Star Wars. I don't I don't I don't subscribe to that. I don't like that. He's I've, he, I've never agreed with that statement. He's he definitely Derek. You know how I feel about Star Trek. I know, but I, I don't like that. I don't, I don't. I don't care for that. I've he, never since '09 since that's been said. I've never liked that statement. He really did though. He made it a lot more action oriented. Oh, well, he did not make it Star Wars. I, I mean, know, he but he made it more like Star Wars and Star Trek. I'm sorry, everyone. T- I'm just going to put this out there, Derek, and you can hate me if you want to. But everyone talks about how great Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan is. It is a boring movie. He he took the science out of Star Trek and made it relatable for everybody. Right. That's what he did. And Star Wars is all that doesn't make it Star science. Wars to me. You don't take the science and but out of Star. Also, you don't you don't subtract science and add relatability and make that Star Wars. Those aren't the components. But no, he also did something with the action, with the pacing of the movie. Still in Star Wars, but it was more Star Wars like. He, I'm not saying it was Star Wars. And you know what? I'm going to say this: it was a pandering Star Trek. Okay. It's pandering, and it—you know what—it was the best Star Trek I've ever watched. There's that. It's a good Star Trek movie. It is. It's the best I've but ever it, watched. But it is pandering. Next to Star Trek Four, The Voyage Home. Next to Star Trek Five, The Final Frontier. Are you um, serious right now? I love Star Trek Five, The Final are Frontier. Are you being? Are you, I mean, like, let's let's drop all our little Five bits box. and our comedy bits. Do you really like Star Trek Five? They fall off the mountain, and Spock's got the boots, and they go find God. And... How old were you the first time you saw that movie? Oh, yeah, I don't know. What, uh, I'm just kidding. I just feel like that has uh, something to do with a childhood memory or something, because I got news for you. Star Trek V doesn't hold a candle to Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. <laughs> well, uh, what's the line from uh, the Simon Pegg show, Space? I don't remember. I'm, sure as, I'm as sure about that as I am that all the... Odd number Star Trek films suck. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Search for Spock better than Wrath of Khan. That whole trilogy, two, three, and four is good. And agreed. Six um, was good. I hate six. <gasps> what in the world, six. man? Six is boring. Is it? Six is boring. For, I hate Undiscovered Country. First Contact? The First Contact's awesome. First Contact is really good. Uh, Generations is boring. Odd numbered. Generations should have been so much better. Insurrection is awesome if you the problem with Generations was they were still filming the TV show. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it just all got muddled. Right. And Roddenberry is dying and it just all got muddled. Insurrection uh, would have been a great episode. Insurrection is a great comedy. It, to me it would have been a great episode of, of the show. If you if you watch uh and that that's kind of that's really all Insurrection was was a it was like the X Files sequel, yep. movie yep. sequel. It was just an a, a elongated episode of the series and can we just uh, say nemesis made no sense whatsoever nemesis was stupid 
Bane. I'm Bane. Um, <laughs> I'm Space. Was he in that? Was Tom Hardy in that? He was Picard's clone. That, he didn't look like Picard, though. But he was the clone. It was here, number one. He looked like a young Picard. Did he? Yeah. I don't First Contact's that. good. Generations uh, Generations is fun, but it's I, I've not seen Nemesis since it came out on video. Nemesis was terrible. Yeah. And they killed Data. Um, I do remember that. It, but, but one is the all-time suck fest. Let me tell you something. The first time I watched Star Trek The Motionless Picture. <laughs> Star Trek The Photograph. Was a Saturday in college. And it, it, it might as well have been your grandparents' slideshow from their vacation. That's five hours of my life I'll never get back. Is that all it is? It, five? It feels so much longer. I, I guess I was being nice. Um, I just remember, I'm like, well, there's the Enterprise. You didn't watch the Blade Runner cut. There's the Enterprise. <laughs> There's the Enterprise. There's the Enterprise. Ship's too big. If I walk, the movie'd be over. I, I mean, that's exactly what was going. And then there's Voyager. Or I there's mean, it's, it is an it's an V'ger. Bald chick. It is an art house film. That is for sure. I mean, I don't know what they were doing, but that is the like it was it was adapted from a pilot that they were going to relaunch the series with yeah phase two or whatever it was I mean, called bad stuff that is just dumb it's such a horrendous movie it's a chore onesies. like do what now they're in their little onesies they're out now i kind of dig the the suits so let me tell you a better movie the, than- the white and gray and then, but then you got the preacher from Seventh Heaven, and yeah. Well, see, and I think that I think that's why people love Star Trek Two so much is because it's so it is a much superior film to Star Trek: The Motionless Picture. So, oh yeah. But I'm well, telling you, when I sit and watch Wrath of Khan, it's like it is boring, and the and the fight at the end is just like they're sneaking around through this nebula or whatever. And, and Wrath of Khan was cool because to me, I don't know. I can't speak for anybody else. I'm not a Trekkie by any stretch of the imagination. I just can appreciate the stuff. I watched all the series. I hate deep space nine. Um, I never watched that. I watched a few episodes of that new one and it was awful. Enterprise. Enterprise. That was terrible. That was horrendous television. Um, Wrath of Khan was cool because I don't think a movie has ever, especially a film franchise that launched off of a TV show, which is rare and enough of itself, but to pull to make it a sequel of an episode from the yeah, television series. And I mean, and it launched, you know, and out of that came what three and four, what happened in three and four, I know, but. I mean, the fact that on Blu ray now, you can buy two and three and four by themselves as a trilogy mm-hmm. set. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm, it, it's it, it is the Spock trilogy. I'm not I'm not saying that people shouldn't like it. I'm just saying for me, I didn't. And and that 2009 Star Trek, I like, and I can pop it in and watch it anytime. It is, it, it, but I'm I'm but I, I hold I hold steadfast to my statement that I, I never liked that whole. Well, he made a Star Trek for Star Wars fans. Because that the components that he removed and added to that plot to those characters aren't what makes Star Wars Star Wars. Okay, I mean, they're they're not they're not what the time no, Star I Wars agree fans with that. together. I agree. I agree with that. But what I'm saying is, is the faster pace, the more action oriented, was a lot more like Star Wars than Star Trek <sighs> traditionally. Listen, the whole premise of Star Trek is they don't want to fight. But 
I, even I, a, a New Hope is slow. A new, I agreed, uh, but for 1977, it moved at a breakneck pace. Okay, I'll give you that. I mean, Star Wars, Star Wars moves kind of slow. I agree. I agree. It has, and don't ever let don't 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 dare think that I'm I'm dissing the the trill. No, I dude, I Cause, totally because I would not. The thing is, is I agree with you today, but for the time period to. I mean, the way it starts with the with the ship coming overhead, and you you open up into a battle. Oh, there's been nothing like it. And you slow down, and then once once they get to Moss Eisley after Greedo's shot, and they blast out of uh, Moss Eisley Cantina, there is there is some kind of cliffhanger, or you know, it's just it is it is at that point pretty breakneck, um, you know, and you don't really get to breathe again until the briefing on. Yavin four and then the battle. Yeah. So um, let me let me back up and go around the corner back to my point okay. with Abrams. He's a creator. Mm-hmm. Abrams gets things in my mind, and that's how he wants to see them come out. Mm-hmm. And and I kind of I, I kind of give him credit because he's kind of like me in that in in that um in that mindset because when I write something. I would I, if if it ever comes to where I actually get something done to where somebody actually directed, I'm gonna get a little ticky because it's mm. not gonna be how I saw it. Right. They're gonna see it in their own way and they're gonna do it in their own way. I'm be like, that's not what I saw. Um, which is one of my big problems with Lord of the Rings movies. You know that. Sure. That's just not how I envisioned well, those characters in Middle right. Earth. And when I read those books as a kid, and then I saw those movies, and that's why I'm not a huge fan of those movies. They're good movies. They're really well done. They just weren't what I read growing up to me. I'm afraid my only fear with Abrams is not lens flare and it's not, you know, polar bears or any crap like that. I'm I'm really afraid he's going to try and do what he did to Star Trek. See, and that's where and and that's where my. And not that what he did with Star Trek was wrong, but Star Trek needed that mm-hmm. that push. Mm-hmm. It needed that reboot, and this is not a reboot. This right. is a continuation of a long-standing story yes. that is being extended. And Star Trek, Star Trek was about to die. Mm-hmm. Star Trek probably would be dead if it had not been for Abrams and, and what they did with that story. What Bad Robot did. Mm-hmm. Well, let me let me say this, and this just comes from me. I don't follow any news online or at all when it comes to entertainment stuff the way I follow Star Wars. Right. And I am not as intimately acquainted with the insider stuff with anything the way that I am with stuff at Star Wars. With the Clone Wars cartoon, Dave Filoni um, sat under, literally sat at the feet of George Lucas to learn how to make Star Wars. George has been very particular about with uh, with Kathleen Kennedy about you know she even said I've gone to him for everything you know he's like my Yoda when it comes to this he's this this idea of him being a creative consultant on this I almost think it's a Tom Mankiewicz kind of thing it's going to end up being a Tom Mankiewicz kind of thing for him where not necessarily he's going to shift a script around and that sort of thing I think he's going to have a lot more opinions put in an input than what people think he will, especially for episode seven. And you couple that with the fact that J.J. Abrams looks and says, you know what, I'm a fan of Star Wars. I'm in a huge fan at that. 
I really think he's going to get it right. I really do. Um, and, and will he have his own vision there? Sure. But I think it's going to be his own vision as much as what uh, Irvin Kirshner had his vision for Empire Strikes Back. But that still looked like Star Wars. And I think it, and I do. I mean, I think it, that's, see, the thing is, is, is from a story standpoint and from getting the characters right and everything standpoint, I don't think Abrams will get it wrong. I, but I do feel like it'll be a little off-putting if, if it doesn't look like Star Wars to me. Um, this is what I'm saying. Right. And, and so I think we're on Because the same Star Trek did not look like Star Trek. Agreed. Now, Agreed. granted, they gave, him the, they gave him the reins to that franchise and said, breathe new life into it. And that's what he did. Yeah. And he found some way of making that work to where it didn't even, I mean, for the most part, piss off Trekkies. Right. Well. Um, you know, they honored what had been there before, and they tied it back in, and they were able to reboot a franchise while still which, honoring the fact that everything that had come before had still happened. Which, again, and I don't want to belabor this by talking Star Trek, that was one of my biggest criticisms of the movie. See, I thought that was one of the coolest things. I mean, yeah, that to was... me, I, well, you like time travel. It's not even that. It's the fact that they didn't have to reset everything. It wasn't retconning the entire franchise. Well, see, they were able to go, all that crap still happened. But see, to me, that's the coward's way out. I don't think that's cowardly. It's like, it's like you step up and just say reboot, done. Um, I'd say I say do it. I don't. Not when there's so much to be. You know, uh, Superman one through four, and then you've got Returns. That's one thing. But you've got how many years of stuff? I mean, incarnations and films and series and, and animated series and books and stuff that they actually consider to be canon in this franchise and then you're just going to go no we're not doing that anymore but yeah. then they found a way to I mean that the whole Nimoy part the whole Spock Prime part of that was a big selling point to me in that movie if they didn't have that I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much you don't think so? uh-uh I would have not that I'm like adoring of Leonard I mean, Nimoy well, or they didn't Spock have, if they didn't but, have the whole Leonard Nimoy Spock thing my, I guess my thing is is like the whole plot really centered around that idea though you wouldn't have had those Romulans and the big minor ship come back to destroy Spock's homeworld if it hadn't been for. Spock well, Prime. if you hadn't had all that, you probably wouldn't have had. You probably wouldn't have ended up liking it, Steve. Uh, well, your point, Russell. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you say you like it, then you're like, "Oh, that's cowardly." Well, if they no, had reset all of it, then you probably one, wouldn't have liked it. That was just it. my one criticism. It's like develop a villain and and start this thing up because the thing is, is like. I don't know. There was a lot that I liked about it. I don't want to talk about Star Trek. I think you, that... You, you can't not in this. You can't. I think you can, though. I think that I think that you can without having to... Get, now, Abrams Abrams did this. We have to do it. It's his fault. We have to do it. It's true. Curse you, he, J.J. He, Abrams. He made us do this. Edna! Give me J.J. Abrams on the line. I mean, it, it, it could be worse. We could have Lindelof writing Star Wars. We could have Brian Singer directing... Hey. Hey. Did you see where, like, Anna Paquin and all these people are signed on for the X-Men First Class sequel? Because of him? I don't know, but the, it's in the, like, they, they're bringing, they're putting the two franchises together. Yeah, I've got a whole issue with that, too. Yep. Next time. I don't, I don't mean to, I hate to be negative about anything, but there are times where things happen, and I'm just like, why is everyone so excited about this? <laughs> <laughs> 
But now with Abram, you kids get off my lawn. Yeah, get, you children, you don't understand. You don't perhaps you're wondering. Perhaps you're wondering why he'd direct a Star Trek movie, then go to the Star Wars franchise. Darth Vader breathing. Darth Vader breathing. I mean, it's historic, Steve. That's never happened. It before. is historic. You're right. You're right. It's listen. It's a big deal. I mean, it's, nobody went and directed Doctor Who and then went over to Inspector Space Time. Or, yeah, I know that doesn't exist, but I can't think of anything. I thought you almost said Inspector Gadget, and I was going to be like, but they should have. But that um, would have been awesome. <laughs> I guess what I want to say is, you know, and there were, but and then I, again, I guess I mean, I I say that, Steve, but then you've got the director of the Dark Knight trilogy producing the new Superman movie, right? And leading it, yeah, but they're DC properties. Yeah, this this is this is night and day. Right. This is black and white. Yeah. This is white and rye. This is this is that and it's fun. I mean, you know, I give, This is Aaron Neville and Michael J. Fox. I give too. Trekkies a hard time, but as you've heard, I, I have a little bit of knowledge about Star Trek. Um You've set through all the next generation. Not all of it, not yet. When real T V started back, I started watching that and also Friday Night Lights, Derek. Real T V. Friday night. <laughs> What I mean is... No, I, we heard it. <laughs> Please don't belabor the... We heard it. Listen, when something of value came on, I stopped. Right, exactly. This is what I'm saying. Uh, when I when I started watching Friday Night Lights, everything went out the window. Um, and you could... want to talk about a boring show, Next Generation. Oh, I thought you were about to say Friday Night Lights. And I was about... No, Friday Night Lights is one of my favorite. I was about to say, don't you try to play that time. game. Now, Deep Space Nine was the most boring because let's take space or ex- exploration and put it on a on a base. How did you feel about Voyager? I liked Voyager. Voyager, I liked... It was the Gilligan's Island of Star it, Trek. It was, it was. It also had the best uh, series finale of all of them. Uh, all the future crap. Mm-hmm. I had to think about it. And blasting out of like when they come out from the Borg Warp with all the Borg tech and they blow up the Borg... Yeah, I do remember that now. Borg, Borg, Borg. Borg, Borg. <laughs> I probably haven't seen that since it came on. But yeah, Janeway from the future went back. And right. Yeah. That whole last season, because they were like Scorpion. communicating with Starfleet, mm-hmm. it was kind of cool. Anyway. Yeah, Scorpion. Well, they the were, they were, they were communicating with Star Trek thanks to Howling Mad Murdoch. Yes, it's true. Um, the, holo- the holodeck addict from. The only thing I remember about Deep Space Nine's finale is Cisco dies. I don't... You've spoiled it. I never watched one single episode of Deep Space Nine. Oh, my Nine. God. I hate Deep Space Nine. And what kills me are the tr- are the hardcore Trekkies that will punch you in the throat mm-hmm. or, or sit, will, will argue until they die that Deep Space Nine is the greatest thing. And you know why? Ever. You know why that is? Because it's the most boring. And with Star Trek fans, <laughs> the more boring it is, the better they like it. I don't mean to make fun, but whenever I'm like, eh, DS9, they're like, we will cut your throat and, you know, feed it to the Cardassians. And I, was like, oh, I, will, I will Vulcan neck pinch you, then toss you into the wormhole. It's just like, there's like one episode of DS9 I really like, and that's the one where they time travel back to the original series. <laughs> and are superimposed well, did, on the Enterprise. Didn't they have tribbles in Deep Space? Yeah. They, they, well, that's what they did. They went back to the tribble episode. Oh my Lanta. Have you ever seen it? It's a really cool episode. No, I've never seen it. Yeah, they uh anyway, it's besides the point. They end up they end up time traveling back to that episode of the original series. So Cisco and Kirk are like standing next to each other. Wow. That's neat. it's a 
it was the only non-boring episode I remember. Yeah. But then by, by and like, most Trekkies it, probably hate it. But yeah, <laughs> but then like by the end of the series, you know, they bring the Defiant, and then the Defiant was a cool little ship. Yeah, and Worf came in because yeah. Next Generation ended. Perhaps it is a good day to die. And but yeah, Abrams Abrams took something that was dying mm-hmm. was a dying franchise. Truth. Well, I, Derek, I would submit that it was a dead franchise. When it comes to films, and you're talking about when was the last Star Trek movie? No, because I'll tell you what was going to happen next. The The last Star Trek movie was, um, oh, five? Mm, I don't th- I think. No, was before five. that. Yeah, because Revenge of the Sith was oh, five. When was Nemesis? Oh, two? Might have been. Might have been oh, two, oh, three. If only we had a device where we could find that information out. Old, sir. Our repaired bathroom tells us that with with Wi-Fi. Um, I'm a plumber. 2002. Okay. Um, so you're talking about at that point of What I'm saying is, after that happened, because they killed off, Riker left. Mm-hmm. He got his own ship. They killed Data. Mm-hmm. And um, you were getting into you were getting into like Firefly in that time. Yeah, I mean, you were getting into a whole new thing of space travel. Sci-Fi Channel was getting in new stuff, and and Star Trek was kind of going out the door. What the the next logical step, and what they had already been talking about doing was, and DS Nine ended, so Cisco's dead, and Voyager came home, and they put it in the Smithsonian or something. They right. put the ship in the Smithsonian. The next logical thing to do was to make a new ship, a new crew, another Enterprise. Eh. I didn't. That's what I'm asking. I'm asking if that's what you mean. Probably. Okay. Not to go back in time to an Enterprise before the original Enterprise. No, because that was terrible. Okay. Come on, Bacula. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? (laughs) You were Dr. Sam Beckett. I just want to say this. We've talked way too much about Star Trek. Here's here's what's going to happen, and, and I want to address this before we go into the next couple of years as we wait on this movie to come out star wars understand that there's going to be news break every now and again we're not going to do live goals for everything because there's going to be casting news that comes out and when it's when it's confirmed that mark hamill's a part of this thing we'll hear about it we'll get excited about it and we'll talk about on the next geek out loud when the title's released we'll talk about on the next geek out loud there's plenty of places for news to be broken and talked about we just kind of react to things and make jokes about Star Trek. So, um, yeah, we're not here for the story. We're here for the we're here for the commentary. <laughs> we're an editorial. Well, everybody podcast. kept tweeting us like, "You got to do a live live goal." I was like, "Why?" Well, yeah, and my <laughs> you thing, already read about it, right? And my thing is, I and I don't. I'm not going to be that confrontational with the listeners who I appreciate very much. <laughs> what? But but my it's, my. It's, it's, why you don't need us you don't need us to tell you these things but my thing my thing is is there's abrams my opinion is i think he'll do a fine job i mean at the end of the day i've said all this to say i think he'll do fine and i think it's going to be great i'm really looking forward to as as details are released and and as we get like a synopsis and as we hear a title and and as casting is released and as we find out that you know whether or not they're going to go the route of unknowns with a bunch of the new characters or if we're going to have 
you know, is Mark Hamill going to be the patriarch character that like Alec Guinness was in Star Wars or, or Peter Cushing was in Star Wars? You know, are, are they going, is, is it going to be Hamill and Fisher and, 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 and dear Lord, please, Ford, um, are these going to be the big names with new unknowns being the, being, being the characters that begin to take front and center? You know, as that stuff, we'll talk about that as it happens, but we're not, we're not news, you know? So, um, so just want to tell everyone, I, I love the fact that you want to hear what we have to say, but when it yes, comes, always. but when it comes to this, this kind of stuff, I just, you know, I don't have much to say, except I think he'll do fine. I think JJ Abrams is a better director than I could ever be. Um, you know, I like Mission Impossible 3 more than Derek did. You know, Derek and I had this discussion off air, um, and and that was an Abrams directed movie. We both liked. Cloverfield. Steve hates Clue. I've not seen it. Uh, we both liked um, Cloverfield. Uh, I love was, Cloverfield. That was a romantic movie ever. That was an Abrams project. Um, you know, the stuff he's created, we've enjoyed. I I'm glad it's not Joss Whedon. The <laughs> Take, that, take was a, that. that was a fear. That was a legitimate fear. That was a shot to all you people. I'm just waiting for the emails to roll in now. Um, hey, wait a minute. Wait a second. You but, don't get to talk about him like that. But Joss Whedon is, is you know, he's going to be doing S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, the television show S.H.I.E.L.D. He's going to be... For at least three episodes. Yeah, he's got this Avengers <laughs> 2 thing going on for at least three episodes. He's got the Avengers 2 thing happening, and I think he's going... Listen... I give him more for twelve. He'll get twelve. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Joss Whedon is going to do a fantastic job with uh, Marvel Phase Two. He is. I, I think. I think he's proven himself in this Marvel universe that he is going to be the man to continue to carry that torch. And um, and and so he needs to stay right where he's at because he's doing a great job. J.J. Um, Abrams. This is. I'm sorry. When you've got Steven Spielberg's stamp of approval. Good enough for me. Who am I to argue with Steven Spielberg? You're Steve Glosson, that's who. That's true. You give Spielberg a run for his money. That's true. I saw Lincoln. Was it good? No. Okay. Awesome. I guess I fell asleep. I, I have rewatched the Jurassic Park trilogy lately. And I got to say... <laughs> you really could have just stopped with one. No, I disagree. I love Jurassic Park 3. And I think my problem with Jurassic Park 2... Jurassic Park 3 is as much a comedy to me as Star Trek Insurrection as a comedy of errors to me. Have, Just well, go in go in expecting to laugh. I disagree. Uh, I really disagree. I like... kid, you know how you feel about Max on... on yeah. By the way, I finished season four tonight. Oh, oh my gosh, don't tell me I haven't seen any of it. <laughs> um, yeah, season four ended last week. I finished it tonight. Um... That's how I feel about that kid in Jurassic Park 3. Somebody just eat him. Hmm. Well, I like Jurassic Park 3. I think my big problem with Jurassic Park 2 is a lack of Sam Neill. I really think Jurassic Park 2... The only thing I like and really like in Jurassic Park 3 is when they... He's at the press conference and he's like, and I wasn't there in Los Angeles. It's like, yeah, you've skipped that one. (laughs) I don't know, man. When they get there to the big bird cage and that thing comes walking out of the fog and... And I like the fact that in all three movies they used animatronic 
dinosaurs interspersed with the digital stuff, and it just worked so well. I, They're always fun to watch. Yeah. Nothing's ever going to touch the first one. Yeah. Oh, indeed, indeed. Uh, I don't know why we need a fourth one the now. Williams but... music and everything. So, oh, that, that score is gorgeous. That's some of John Williams' best stuff, <sighs> is that Jurassic Park score. Good stuff. So, um, we need to revisit movie music one of these days. As long as it's not movie magic. Not movie magic, movie music. So, I feel like we took six years on movie magic. <sighs> I have an email and I have things to say. You know what? You've really made this show more edgy than it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I get the hint. I will back <laughs> off. You pay. Back when I started the show by myself and I did what I wanted to do. <laughs> I still do what I want to do. You just come along for the ride like a good friend. I'll, I'll stay back here. Mm. I'll wait for the what do you think, Derek? We're gonna oh, have um well just whatever you say. We're Steve. gonna have a Jack- please don't hit me. Did you see Thirty Rock this past week? No, I'm waiting to to do the last five all okay. at the same time. Well, I won't ruin it for you then. There's a great somebody all somebody already ruined the Kenneth thing for oh, me. Oh, did he with Jack? That. Yes. Oh, they totally did Willy Wonka. But so. anyway, I, I want to watch. I, I want to be left alone and watch all five of those together right. at the same time. Oh man! All right. Well, Derek. Hey, what about the office? Did you see the office this past week? Steve, my heart. My heart, Steve. The the office. Yeah. The ending. Yeah. Spoiler alert! That was weird. Well, see, everybody's been like. Oh wow! They finally did it. They finally broke the fourth wall, and I was like, "Well, that's like really like the fifth wall, isn't it?" Yeah, the whole show is about breaking the fourth wall. The, the, this is kind of like breaking the fifth wall. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they did it in the premiere this season, and no, and no, everybody seems to forget about that because at the end of the episode, they're interviewing Jan, uh, 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 Pam and Jim, and they drop the camera as they're talking to him, and, and it shows them standing up and taking their microphones off, and they start talking to the crew. That was because the whole thing was this season as they going into it. They said this is going to be the final season, yeah. and you're going to find out what all this has been for, for the, the documentary crew and everything. Well, the first time they really, I remember really doing it was Michael Scott's last episode. Yeah, he's like, let yeah. me know if this ever airs. Yeah, yeah. When he's handing the microphone and stuff. Um, but it happened in the, but really started happening. That's when everybody's yeah, like, oh, yeah. it finally happened. I was like, no, it's been happening. Yeah. Like they talked to them. You could hear the crew. Um. Talking back now, I've not liked. There's been a few good jokes here and there, and there's been a few good Jim and Dwight things. Mm-hmm. But since Michael left, I've just not yeah, been it, it, invested yeah, with, at all. With, uh, I will tell you one thing that I had to pause because I was laughing so hard. And have you been watching like all? Have you missed any? No, not that I know of. Okay, so it was when all the crap was happening with Oscar and um, and HRG, right? Horn <laughs> room glasses courtroom glasses from heroes um back i guess before christmas around thanksgiving and they and dwight had hired somebody to kill who was yes. ever sleeping with this yes and they're in the van and the guy goes are we safe and he's like well there's been a docu- documentary crew following us around for nine years but i think we're i think we're okay right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I like, also hey, like that was the 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 icing on the cake of of this show for me. The when the, the my biggest laugh out loud moment this year was when Daryl went up to interview with Jim's new business, 
And like he gets through the interview and he's like, in that, and he and he makes some comment, oh. and it's nothing but net. And he hit, he picks up and his he ball, killed all the fish, and he killed all the fish. <laughs> it was just that classic awkward office moment. Yes. and I was just like, although as as good as there was one, I guess in the episode before that one, before he got to go, when he got drunk, uh, at the Christmas party, oh, when yes. Daryl got drunk, yes, they cut to the office like, I'm gonna kill Jim. <laughs> Yes, because he thought Jim was just leaving cussed. it behind. <laughs> so he cussed, and they bleeped it perfectly, yes. but it was a real quick take. It's, I'm going to kill Jim. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Well, But I hope they're they're doing... I, I hope it's going to be worth it in the end. Um, I, I think, doing, I mean, that yeah. doesn't look like Steve Carell's coming back. No, uh-uh. Um, I just... I, I don't think... And another thing some people have told me they're worried about is, is they think that this whole... You know, like the dude who made him stop the camera and everything. Like him and Pam are going to have something going on. No, no, I don't think that at all. I think that that I think it was to show that. Not that I'm still so emotionally invested in, like I was in the first four or five seasons, but I think it was to show that the people who have been following them for the past nine years are as emotionally invested as the people who are watching. Right, right. Joe are, and that that they've become friends to them. Well, and you've never. I mean, we've never really seen Jim and Pam fight like that. No. You know, and, and that's what this whole season's been about—about about change for them. Jim felt like he was, had been maxed out, and there was nothing left for him. And that—and that's what—that was what generated them taking off the mics in the in the first episode, and walking away. Was Pam was like, "Oh, you know, two kids, both working a paper warehouse. Guess nothing exciting is ever going to happen to us ever again." And then the camera's left sitting on Jim with you know this really depressed look on his face, like this is it. Yeah and, yeah, and so that's what that. this whole storyline's been about for him is you know doing more than just being a paper salesman. Yeah, and um, and so but that fight like because I hate to get prolific with the office, hmm, but no, but they no. actually did some cool stuff. Yeah. As much as I feel like it's gone downhill, they're still doing some cool things with the show. Well, and the stuff with Aaron and that dude has been pretty funny. Um, yeah, but how are you gonna have an entire like I watched three or four together that I had like skipped on TiVo and like I, I watched them all at the same time and I didn't even know Andy was gone until he was gone on a boat yeah and I was like how are you going to do the entire last season and him not even be there right well, what's doing he it. doing they're doing it. he's on a boat but what what's he well, what what's is, he doing that he can't be on the show Ed doing that he can't be there right. I mean Hangover 3 is done yeah I I like did you see the episode with the comment cards where they were yes. building the house? oh that was a good one and I like the two new guys. Yeah, they they crack me up. And this stuff with Toby and Donna Nobles is just weird. Yes, but it's funny. It is funny. It is. Funny. Hadn't had enough of Creed. Nope, hadn't heard enough of him at all. Uh. Uh-uh. Well, uh, there's your last snippet. The Office. Um. Got <laughs> weird. Now that I've sufficiently told everyone, back off. I don't want to talk about what you want me to talk about. And, um. Let's talk about My Little Pony and Bound Puppy. That's right. Um, <laughs> uh, no, we listen. I I want to reiterate. I appreciate everyone listening. I really, yeah, really do. I, did, have I said? No, no, no. Yeah, okay. I'm saying for you're me, making me feel like I actually no, said something. I'm, no, I, I did. I feel like I did. I feel like I did because I just want people to understand that if we don't do a live goal, so much for the birthday wishes, everybody. You yeah. don't know what it means. Back that. <laughs> right, right. Back up. I just want everyone to understand that if we don't do it, we're not going to do a live goal for every little breaking Star Wars piece of news. And there's going to be some big news happen. And, and live goals are fun. Mm-hmm. They are fun. 
but nope, it's wrong. They, but uh, they're a nightmare to do at the same time. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And and so like when you have, I'm sorry, the news that there was going to be new Star Wars that warranted it. That warranted something as soon as possible. Um, but the director, we knew an announcement for the director was coming. We knew it was going to be someone of this caliber, and so. I was I just I wasn't in a state of shock when I saw it and when it was confirmed I just wasn't shocked and um and we knew it was going to be somebody yeah that's what I'm saying we they had to have a director they don't have a movie so <laughs> so I don't want everyone to think that you know that you're going to have to jump on this but I guarantee you I guess I say all that to say this I guarantee you if there's Star Wars news you're going to hear me talk about it and Derek by proxy because Derek I'm not going to let proxy. you get I'm not going to let you get by without talking Star Wars news with me. So, and you know I talk Star Wars. I, I love know. talking Star Wars. I know. I, I know, right? I want to just. I got to be honest with you, Steve. You look like a giant eagle <laughs> with a mountain for a face. <laughs> See you later, mountain face. Um, Balls. <laughs> I just want to. I tell you what. The next time we. The next time we probably do a goal proper, we'll be talking James Bond. With the yeah, I don't. I mean, in the next three to four weeks, I don't see another. It, it's taken three or four weeks to get the right. director, and yeah. I mean, it was like three or four weeks between the announcement oh. and then the writer, and now it's been even longer. Well, than I know, April, I know so. what I was going to say is Lucasfilm's doing a good job though of shutting rumors down, and then making sure that we've got. That's the right what I was like, why did it quickly? take so long for them to put a press release out? Because when the when the, when all these people are getting their stuff from their inside sources, I don't think that ink had been put to paper yet as far as fully signing off on it i think they were close to a deal but hadn't really signed the dotted line yet okay that's what i understand took place so um but no the next goal will probably talk a lot about james bond uh can i ask you one thing before moving forward definitely do you think that the news about affleck was true he wanted to what was it was that he wanted to or that i i read that he was the next choice after abrams if abrams um, passed it was going to affleck i don't know i don't think so i really don't that he did i i haven't seen argo i've heard nothing but good stuff about oh, argo. argo was beautiful um you know i don't movie. know what affleck's affinity level for star wars is and how much he's worked with kathleen kennedy i think that was just that's the thing there's so many little rumor stuff out there I, you know, I really think that uh, I think they had a short list, and I don't know if he was on it. So that's my take. It just kills me that every big thing that's come up lately, like Justice League, and now this, it's like Affleck's attached. Yeah, yeah, and see, I think that's just a byproduct of of that is that kind of mentality. So, but um, say all that to say, next time we're probably talking a lot of Bond, so get ready for that, and um. And I'm sure there'll be other stuff happen between now and then with, with Man of Steel. With, the countdown has begun. It's 2013. Oh man! And we're we're six months we're out. Less than that. Less than six months out. So five months. Less than that. When is it coming? We're, ba- we're about to be four months out. June. June 13th. Four months out. So, I'm all about it. It's go time. I'm looking forward to it, man. We got that. We got some Iron Man three. There's going to be a lot to geek out on between now and 2015. But along the way, man, you're definitely going to hear it. Listen, the minute the news drops that Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher and God, please, Harrison Ford are involved, 
you're going to hear me do laughs. You're going to hear Oh My Lancer. You're going to hear Holy Monkey Spit. When we get a title, you'll you'll either hear me love it or make fun of it. Like I hadn't I did even a, thought about a title. I did Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones. So I hadn't even thought about what the, I just keep calling it Episode 7. That's right. Oh, man. So we're going to have, I mean, there's going to be a new Star Wars title outside of Episode 7. That'll probably be the next big bit of news. I would think so. I would Even before so. casting. I don't, well, I don't know. I don't know. They usually wait until late in the game. Until, nah, until this we're is, about to it's, get a teaser. It's, it's a whole new decade, Steve. That's right. It's, it's true. They usually wait until we're about to get a, tri- a teaser. So, and hey, listen, when the teaser drops, that'll probably be a live goal. That's, that's going to be something. I mean, straight up. If the Lord tarries, that... <laughs> but that's... That's at least a year and a half away. That's right. Oh, I just can't believe it's on a span of steel time. No, and uh, that's I'm so that feels like that. it's been forever so, waiting. So looking forward to that. Hopefully, we'll get a second trailer. Uh, the toys. Are, I'm I'm going to buy every single toy there is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Derek! Crap! By the way, and we gotta. Gosh, we gotta finish. I no, we the, don't. Go online, Steve. Playing. No, it's I. It's, I gotta be up in like five hours. That's your fault. Uh, I know. Um, Why well, do a boarded radio? I might show. have dipped my toe into the poster thing. Oh. oh, and on hour three of Geek Out Loud, <laughs> what? <laughs> Listen, of all the things you could say to wind down the show, I'd be like, goodbye, everybody. You picked the least possible one. Mm. Someone sent me a link to something on Etsy. Yeah. And, good, good website. And that got me perusing around, and there were like these really nice Star Wars. Oh, oh, you showed me these. Okay, yeah. I knew this. This wasn't new news. Yeah, okay. You sent me the tags. What's well, new okay. for everyone else? Yeah. So I'm kind of looking around my living room here. I told you where to put them over the mantle. They're probably going to go over the mantle. That's a good place Cause, for them. Because I'll be clearing off the mantle here pretty soon. So he's going to drop the mantle. Those are good. Those are good prints. They're good Star Wars prints of they're, the of, of their Luke, Yoda, Darth Vader, and I think Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Where's Boba Fett? Boba, Boba Fett. Fett. Uh, yes. Gosh, I love you so much. Sometimes. Um, Reciprocated. Yeah. Yeah, they're really good looking prints, and it may be the start. It, in the words of Obi Wan Kenobi, I may have just taken my first step into a larger world. You don't have enough up in your house. I like I think some of that stuff in the Star Wars rooms needs to come out into the the main. All I remember is the picture of you and me from from eighteen eighty five. It's there, and and now let uh, me tell you what's there now next to it. Someone and this and the Superman Forever ad. Right, right. That was all that was really in here on the wall. But let me tell you over what's the now. TV on the shelf where that sits. The picture of me and you. It's still there. Mm-hmm. Right next to it now is um, a metal Hulk poster thing. That looks like an old metal sign that someone picked up for me. It's got a real vintage look about it. And then next to that is a picture of my nephew Eli, photoshopped. Yeah, I can't believe you skipped over that bit of news on this episode. Oh, I'm sorry. I've got a new nephew. His name's Eli. He's named Yay! after me. Yeah, he's named after me. He's a cool kid, and um, he's actually a great nephew. Um, He's, he's a fantastic he's, nephew. He's, he's wonderful. He's <laughs> my niece's little baby. He was born back in November. 
Um, but he's got a little Superman shirt on, and they took a red bib and turned around backwards on him. And they're holding him up, but they photoshopped out everything and put like him put him on a blue sky, so he looks like he's flying. So, little super baby, and uh, it says "Happy Birthday, Uncle Steve" on there. So, that's sitting on the shelf with that other. So that's about all I've got. The Superman poster fell down, and that whole frame broke. So now there's nothing above the TV. Um, it wasn't framed when I was there. Well, it had like one of those cheap poster frames no. on it. So, so I think yeah. you need to bring a bit of Star Wars. Well, into I want to get some classy stuff that you know that actually looks like art and not posters. Ah, well, I have some pieces you might be interested <laughs> in. For for the sp- <laughs> although look, <laughs> you'll, you'll enjoy this. So I mean, uh, I guess it's okay to say this. Of course, though, who cares? Um, I'm in the board meeting at work the other day because we were run by a board. And, uh, you know, I'm doodling or whatever. And they're like, oh, by the way, we're moving so-and-so to so-and-so and and we're moving all this stuff around. And I was like, yep, that sounds good. We're going to need to put Derek in a bigger office. I'm sorry, do what now? (laughs) (laughs) They're like, yeah, you need need this new section of the building and then take this and you'll be in this part. I was like, (laughs) what are we talking about here, bigger bigger walls? They're like, yeah, that's 12-foot ceilings over there. Sign me up. Oh. <laughs> I just tripled my wall space. They have no idea. It begins. What have they done? I need a Man of Steel poster. What have I, they I, done? I have yet to have one. I keep holding out that a theatrical one will be the best one. When oh. the time comes. I've still got all these little Australian Superman 1 through 4 posters I haven't framed yet. I thought you had them framed. And I thought no, no, they're loose. The leg because you told them the wrong size. They're loose. Okay. No, those are the big ones. Right. Those are the theatrical posters. These, oh, are, the, these oh. are the 13 by 27 gotcha. Australian posters. Gotcha. gotcha. They're different. I hear you. They're long and narrow. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I haven't gotten anything from Mondo in a while. You know, I've failed... <gasps> uh, yeah, it happened. It happened. Um, thank the Black Friday. They had seven posters, and, and they were doing like three. two or six posters or eight posters, and they were doing like two an hour. And you only got three. random drops, and I only got four of them. No, <laughs> I didn't care about any of them. They didn't. They weren't saying what they were though. You just had to watch and mm-hmm. see if you wanted them, which I hate. Right. But one of them was Back to the Future 2. Oh, and you didn't get it? I didn't get it. I didn't know about it until it was too late. Sorry, Derek. I did get Lord of the Rings, but I did not get that for me. I got that for our buddy Will Goodman for his birthday. Okay, cool. Um, Because he was really wanting it, and he he failed to get it, and I managed to land it in my cart. But I I haven't tried for anything in a while. They had a Big Top Pee Wee one that was cool, but I don't like Big Top Pee Wee. It wasn't Pew's Big Adventure. Well, yeah. few things are. Tell them Large Marge sent you, Derek. <laughs> and it looked like that. <laughs> um, oh, and on that note. The, God, it scared the bejesus out of me as a kid. <laughs> the email is geek like, out. This isn't like Playhouse at all. <laughs> the email is geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com, twitter.com forward slash geekoutloud. 
And uh, we're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash geek out loud. Derek, thanks for staying up with me tonight. Yes, sir. Thanks for staying up tonight. Of course. We look forward to Jenny Olsen and. We got to do a start with House of L at some point. We sure Uh, do. Catch us up on Haunted and Effigy. Yep. So be looking for that over at the smallvillepodcast.com. And um, and every now and again, if you tune in live, you can hear Derek Russell call in to the Big Honkin' Show. On you make it sound like I don't have anything better in the morning. Stream, you call me some. Okay, streaming live at 1059WHJD.com. The Sting. The Sting. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yep. Look at me. Calling <laughs> I'm in radio. That's every morning, 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. If you're, I tell you what, if you're over in the UK, you can hear it at a, during the afternoon because it's like five hours ahead of time. So you can hear it around nooner, noon to two. So. Get the TuneIn app from the App Store. TuneIn app. If you pay for it, you can actually record the show. I just got word today we're going to be streaming at a higher bit rate, so the sound quality will be better. So, a lot of good stuff happening. I'm excited for you, buddy. All right. It's a good show. Uh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. I, I enjoy listening in. Except for that one I, morning. I usually catch the second hour. Okay. The elusive hour number two, as we call Cause it. Because the... Cause the Steadfast hour number one is I'm, it's right. still my sleepy time. That's right. Well, this past Friday, we had the elusive hour number two, then the non-existent hour number three. I know, and you didn't find time to call anybody I during know. that hour. Manti Teo's girlfriend was on, so. <laughs> all right. Well, having said all that, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Until next time, I'm Steve. He's Steve. And that's Derek. We'll see you I'm next time. I'm the plumber. He's the plumber. It's me, Mario. It's we'll see me, next- Mario. We'll see you next time, everyone. Have a great whatever. Whatever.